Well, hello there, podcast listeners. It is I, Cinematronics, and I am joined, as ever, by David Bond and Rebecca Andrews. Hello. And uh, I'm, we're gathered here today on... <laughs> to, <laughs> oh, are we get? Are you marrying me, Rebecca? What's happening? <laughs> Hold on a minute. I didn't we're gathered we here today on this blessed day to enjoy <laughs> another Bond film. Um, so, <laughs> you. We have just had the most depressing conversation about dead celebrities as well. But there you <laughs> on, go. Onto another one. Um, <laughs> onto onto another one. <laughs> yes. Um, My heart is heavy. It's it's uh, it's it's. It's Roger Moore's first entry in the series. It's Live and Let Die, um, which uh, we tried to record ages ago in the previous Bond run, but it just well, it didn't was, work. It was the second brace of commentaries. So we, 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 we did the sort of 60s. Uh, well, we went through to Diamonds, and then we did a music episode, and then we did a couple of commentaries from that era. So we did Goldfinger and we did Majesties. And then at the end of the Roger Moore era, we went to do another music episode and another couple of commentaries. And we chose Living Let Die. And we sat and did it. And it, we sort of did the recording. We did it all. And I woke up in the morning just thinking, I was pissed and that was shit. So I contacted those two and said, did that, how did that sound to you? And they were both like, mm. <laughs> so, and, so a lot of dead air. Very... I think it was. I think it was one. Sorry? Of I just, I just think overall, for whatever reason, we just sadly weren't feeling it, unfortunately. So no. we're going to try again tonight. And Chris, being the positive type, just went, "Well, let's do another one," because I would have just like. Uh, so we did. I said, "Well, we can't do that one again. We've just seen it." So we did The Spy Who Loved Me. So The Spy Who Loved Me commentary, which we did, and is still a favourite of ours, and we laughed uproariously, was done the re- day after a failed recording of this. But if you remember at the time, Chris was working full-time, studying full-time. Becca had countless jobs, and I had no excuse but was massively inebriated, <laughs> um, which I think I thought was going to make it funnier, and like it didn't really work that way. So we'll have another go. Yes, yeah, so um, we're going to do uh, Living at Dying. Hopefully it'll be a lot more funnier this time around. Uh, it should oh, it be. Can't be can't Let's try and see. To be honest with you. I've got me some uh, fun facts along the way and um, debate the merits of J.W. when he appears. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> J.W. He's actually now a character across social media, so we'll have to, um, have to and, tag that particular uh, person. And he's great because he, he's, he's, deli- he's deliberately clueless. And, and the number of people who fall for it is amazing. It's so funny. I think whoever runs that account is amazing. He, I mean, he, he posted a picture the other day comparing Olga Kurilenko and Eva Green. And he picked the nicest, most sexy photo of Olga Kurilenko in, like, lingerie he could find. And put a picture of, like, Eva Green without makeup, crying her eyes out. And, like, probably just been beaten up in, like, whatever that show she was on was called. And uh, everyone fell for it. They're like, well, that's not fair. They're not even remotely the same thing. (laughs) He's just just a shit stirrer. It's funny. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to give them them a shout out. (laughs) Yeah, so this was the the third, wasn't it, of of What's-His-Face, Goldfinger Director. This was the third Guy Hamilton film, yeah, because he did Goldfinger and Diamonds. 
So, you know, after this film, I think it's fair to say we quite like this film. It's not a favourite of mine particularly, but it, it's perfectly fine. It's a favourite quite a few what, of us, isn't it? Rod, where where did it, we rank it? Do we remember? Uh, I had it out just outside the top 10. I'm not sure if I'd have it quite that high now, but I think I had it 11th or 12th, something like that. Uh, yeah, about 11th. Chris had it... You had it exactly the same as me, Becca. I remember that. Yeah, I think I had it just outside. Because um, we, we, you know, there were a couple where, because our rankings were quite different, but there'd be the odd one where we'd be in exactly the same place. And I think Live and Let Die was one. You and, you Chris, and Chris were quite, quite in sync. I think Chris had it just inside the top 10. But I wouldn't swear to it now. So we both had it, we, we all had it sort of Would just above halfway. Um, and I probably stand by that, although it, it's, as I say, it's not wildly a favourite, but it is a favourite of quite a few people. I mean, Sam Mendes famously really likes it. Daniel Craig's a big fan of it. Um, I think at the end of this film, you would consider Guy Hamilton to be sort of too, you know, too good, one bad. Mm. Um, but then obviously he went straight on to do The Man with I the Gold Gun. I get confused. Sloppy. Oh, I was going to say, do you do got a golden gun? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite simple. He starts the seventies and sort of Lewis Gilbert finishes them. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm not the biggest lover of the Lewis Gilbert films. Um, I mean, even The Spy Who Loved Me, but I just think he's got um, I just think he's got a bit more flair overall, uh, you know. And I can see his style much more. Mm-hmm. And some of the sloppiness in the Guy Hamilton films isn't in his. I don't see as many errors. No. Um, but that's not to say. I mean, Guy, Guy Hamilton gave us this, and he gave us Goldfinger. So I'm not going to slate him. But when he was poor, he was really poor. Um, but yeah, so this is this is sort of the second of three in a row he did, and I do believe he was in early talks to do the Spy Who Loved Me. I do wonder if him not doing the Spy Who Loved Me had something to do with his tax status. Because if you remember by the late 70s, or you wouldn't remember it from the time, but um, if the, by the late 70s, British tax rates were extremely high and a lot of people like John Barry were going off and being exiles. And they probably advised to live in France Guy for Ham- a year. Well, Guy Hamilton, well, I think he did, John Barry. But Guy Hamilton, I think, was living in Italy because he was originally um, uh, attached to Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his tax sales XR status made that difficult because they wanted to shoot at Pinewood. Yeah. Um, and hence they brought in, you know, they they got they got, they brought in some dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't remember, really remember what Hamilton's career is like outside of Bond. He he had plenty of films on it. Did he do Battle for Brit- Battle of Britain? Can't remember. I'm going to say yes, but no, he's got an illustrious career certainly outside of Bond. Yeah, and he, he's another one who's died during the lifetime of this podcast. We didn't uh, do it, um, folks. We didn't do it. I, can't I, remember. I remember meeting him at, at a signing, and he was lovely and could tell countless stories of, of his years behind and in front of the camera as well. And obviously, he's one of that generation who obviously came, you know, came out of the war. Yeah, he would have died around the time we were sort of in the Brosnan era. So yeah, yeah he, did four, he did Force Ten from Navarone. He did Battle of Britain. He did Funeral in Berlin, which is a Harry Palmer film. That was it. I was trying to think. Oh, uh, my brains. What was it? He also did a film called An Inspector Calls, which has had sort of a, a life on stage as well. Yeah, there's been so many different versions of got, that, haven't there? Is that got Robert Donat in it? I'm not sure, but it's um, it's worth seeing that film. Yeah, when you watch the film or the stage of, show, highly you recommend can it. See the stage show within the film, if you know what I mean. 
you can see how it would work. And there's like a little twist at the end. It's it's quite a thought provoking little film. It's good. An inspector course. If you're um if you're probably of like mine or Chris's generation, then chances are you might have studied it at school. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, it wasn't on any of my sort of syllabuses. No, I think I, I don't know if they still do it today. Um, but yeah, if you're kind of a generation, chances are you might have read it at school. Um, well, yeah, I was, yeah, I highly recommend it. I was busy doing crap like Shakespeare, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we did like, oh god, what do we do? Hamlet we did like a fellow a million times. Another one inside out, upside down. But yeah, they, Seamus Heaney, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> anyway, back to Bond. Back it's a shame they didn't do that in school. Shame they don't teach that. All, all school kids these days should read Casino Royale. What Bond? Yeah. They should. Yeah, they should put that on, on the curriculum. What age do you think it's appropriate from them them to read about it's balls not, being whipped with a carpet beater and Bond's penchant for sort of uh, penchant for married women and stuff? Twelve. Um, you know, it's in the in the certificate. There you are. <laughs> Obviously, it shouldn't be on the curriculum because it is very age inappropriate. Uh, well, the, the, yeah, I was going to say we're talking about the book here. I think. Yeah, that's, that's not no, not not until at least you get to university, perhaps. Yeah, it's very age inappropriate. I will say. That used to piss me off at school when you get to the end of term, and they put like a film on for you, but like they had to be careful with the certification. <laughs> so you had to watch something shit like Danny Champion of the World or something. You know, like, <laughs> fucking brilliant! Thanks. But then obviously, you know, it always said, you know, this film cannot be, basically don't show it in school or, you know, it's for home use only. And it's like, yeah, we'll just skip past that. So it's kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was quite funny. Okay. Anyway. So, um, probably best time, best to get on with this then. Yes. Um, so, uh, should we count us in then? Yes. So, Let's go. Yeah, so on three, well, press play, so whatever device or medium you're watching this, you can uh, join along if you wish, or just listen to us talk shit yeah. over a film. <laughs> so, uh, in one, two, and three. This I mean, once again, we're all on different mediums. Like, I'm on the Blu-ray, Chris is on the YouTube. Well, I mean, there's 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 commentaries out there that you can get like associate professors and stuff on uh i've met a couple of professors so i've associated with them that, that's got to count surely <laughs> so associate associate professor that that pretty much counts for the same thing really doesn't it uh, yeah i think it counts why not yeah so roger's first gun barrel um redone for his third entry because uh they changed the aspect ratio so this is him pre Tucks and flares. So yeah, you can tell because his, his flares get definitely more flared. Yeah, shows you how. Um, I have the sound on a little bit, so let me know if you can hear it. Shaky cam. I had it on a bit, but I've just turned it off again. Yeah, this that was our one decent like observation the first time round. Oh, it's shaking. You can actually see that's like a helicopter they do. Yeah, you can see the shaky cam. I know. Before it was trendy. Well, it was hardly the born supremacy, was it? That little <laughs> shot we've just seen. I I always think with with the Brits in these things they should just have fucking monocles in because they always look absurdly British. They do. <laughs> it's like an Austin Powers, like everyone like sort of got the like the British got like a beef eater behind them and yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've often got, got comb overs. The French have onions, Canada's, yeah, have garlic even, and a stripy top. They're all stereotypical. 
Now, I'm not sure how this would work. I mean, like, it's deaf by hearing, isn't it? Death by sound pulse. Would it yeah. be such a high frequency it would knock you out? I don't know. I haven't got a clue, to be honest with you. I don't really know what this is meant to be. No. Just I, I, you do wonder if some sort of current being sent down it. Oh, it might be, yeah, it might be like electrocution. He's just come. Really high pitch frequency. <laughs> in his pants. Anybody else bats an eyelid? They're like, oh. Because they've all they've all come in their pants as well, but they didn't just make a, such a big song and dance about it. So no. New Orleans, look out for the or listen out for the Shane Rimmer cameo in this film. Listen out for it. Yeah, he doesn't appear on screen, does he? This is his voice in this in this. Who did he voice? Scene. I didn't know. Who did he voice? This character. Did so he? is 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 the guy who gets killed? Yeah, he's overdubbed by um by Shane Rimmer. He's right. I didn't know that. Oh, fun fact. Right. Can you hear the sound? Can you hear the sound? Can you hear my sound now? I've just turned it up a touch. No. Let me know if you do, because I, I don't want it all over the recording. So I can I can hear it a little bit now. Only because I want to hear. When the guy goes, he's feeling I want to hear this voice. That, that's why I've gone quiet because I can't exactly remember. Okay, yeah, that sounds like Shane Rimmer. But yeah. there's a reason for that, it is. That's because it is Shane Rimmer. Yeah. Yep, fun fact. Scott Tracy himself. I've, I've been to New Orleans and I wandered around trying to work out which street that was and I couldn't. Oh, cool, okay. If you Again, go to on the tracks of 007.com, I'm sure he will tell you. Um, well, I, I was walking down one street because it made me laugh because there was, there was like various different streets, obviously. And I went down one of them and one was definitely a bit more sort of um, touristy and party than others. Like suddenly you go past bars and Premiership football was playing at like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And then there was a strip club and I saw some overweight gentleman in shorts having an argument with the bouncer outside. And I leaned in slightly British accents. I thought, of course it fucking is. Oh, no. <laughs> just absolute <laughs> Brits on tour just that street oh cringe Sam Monique fictional of course yes fictional island in the Caribbean yeah very fictional much island. along the lines of Timothy Timothy obviously that was on ITV over the weekend and that didn't make me laugh um, yeah uh, well I've it's I've got Living Daylights next in my run so Oh, in fact, I'm a day or two late with that, so licenses like this week sometime. Coming soon. This is a terrible. This is a terrible effect. <laughs> what the mm. rubber snake? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not keen. Couldn't they have him like bite him with an otter? No, <laughs> <laughs> not a sexy otter. No. Sorry, from dusk till dawn. Like, I, is... I was lucky enough to go to the Living That Die event at Pinewood a few years ago and got to meet the... I, I have to look up his name, apologies, but the, the guy who plays the tribal leader. Again, very lovely man. Stories for days. But he's still he's really like enthusiastic about it. He's oh yeah, I had to do this and that. and he, It was a real snake. A nipple. I was just about to say that. Oops. <laughs> That's the amazing thing about Blu-ray. You tend to notice these things. Yeah. Becca still can't grasp that Blu-ray is lower resolution than cinemas. <laughs> Still gets the job done. It does. I don't think I've seen this one on the big screen. 
I, uh, I can't remember. I feel like I still haven't seen. Well, they were doing about four years ago. They were doing doubles, weren't they? And I can't remember. Uh, no, Rogers' double was. What was Rogers' double? I went to I see one remember. where it was Majesty's, then Golden Gun, and then yeah, when, well, when was, we did that was, the, that was when Christopher that was when Christopher Lee passed away. Yeah, and then when we did the um, the back to back one at the Prince Charles, that was by Hill of Me. Yeah, but that makes sense. I mean, it may not be my favourite Roger Moore film, but like if I had to programme for like a mass audience, you'd pick Spy Love Me for him. Of course you would. It'd it'd probably be like the most popular one, wouldn't you? This would probably be your second choice because most people pick one of them as their favourite Roger Moore film. Chris and I disagree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we'd we'd go for like whatever film that everyone finds boring. Yeah. Special effects by Derek Meddings, who obviously also worked on Thunderbirds and a number of other journeys. What do you mean those tits are miniatures? (laughs) (laughs) Boobs by Derek Meddings. Boobs by Derek Meddings. It's alright, if you like them correctly, they'll look double D. (laughs) What is this girl doing? I know she's supposed to be dancing. She's She's waving at birds, I think. Hello! (laughs) Hello! Hello, dude. How are you? And I tell you what, you know they said how it could have been Diana Ross playing Solitaire. Doesn't she remind you of Diana Ross? Yeah. She does a little bit. She looks very deadly. Actually, she just looks a bit bored, to be honest. It's very serious. It's a very serious face. But yeah. It probably is one of the less Bond feeling of the Bond films because, you know, America and the drugs and the black exploitation bit and all the rest of it. But... The voodoo and stuff like that. It's the only one that has that that goes into a bit more it's sort of flavour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I suppose considering like the original book there's a, there's a big sort of like gangster flavour about it. Um, sort of like smuggling and things like that as well with a, a little bit of the occult and supernatural but this kind of has, has it in spades and I think it's probably probably the only film. I wonder, how many, I wonder how many... I, I'm sorry to be crude but I've I, no, I'm not sorry to be crude at all. What the fuck <laughs> am I talking about? Don't mind at all. I'm just wondering how many like diehard Bond fans of a certain age have met Madeline Smith at Bond Stars events now and like been slightly guilty they've knocked one out to her. <laughs> She's very young here, actually. She was. This is probably one of the first on-screen roles, isn't it, I think? So, again, she's very lovely. You've met her at um, various Q the Music concerts. Yeah, yeah Bond's nice pretty nice, though, isn't it? It is. I don't know where this is meant to be because traditionally he's got a flat in Chelsea. Yeah, this is probably this is his probably country getaway. Yeah. Is this the second? Uh, how many times have we seen Bond's home? Obviously, once in. Uh, Doctor No. Doctor No, and then this one. And then... Oh yeah. I was thinking, yeah, three times. Yeah. Insomnia's are instructions. This is his first uh, performance as M after his wife died in that fire. Yeah, so by the by this point, Bernard Lee uh, was very troubled. I, I don't know that he's drunk here necessarily. I don't know because he did clean up for a little while. but No, he had, he had several problems, didn't he, bless him? Yeah, well, he had an alcohol problem. Um, but yeah, what happened to, to his wife? They had a very devoted marriage, apparently. And uh, she died in a house fire. And, and he, I think he may have even got hurt trying to rescue her. So, you know, one of those things where you're trying to rescue someone in vain and can't. No, it did. And I have a feeling that was early 72 or late 71, so mere months ahead of this. 
that's tragic. There are a there, few traits about Rogers Bond I don't like, and and this sort of smart ass element is probably one of the, one of the chief. The smarm is the worst thing. I don't a bit smarmy. At, I don't look at Roger Moore and see <laughs> that smooth. That coffee looks killer. horrible. I look. It really I does. Look at, I look at his Bond and just see like smarmy and sex, sex obsessed. I think there are personal reasons in my own sort of life and history for that. He's <laughs> he's um, meant to be a bit of a know-it-all though, isn't he? So he's but kind of the know-it-all element. And... It gets on my tits, and and this whole. This whole making a coffee bit is like, look what a smart ass I am. Because yeah, it's, it's probably like a, a, one of the latest there. latest gadgets on the on the market. So the white okay, it's got to be up and you know up and coming. So we'll give Bond one. Um, I just think our kitchen is terrible. <laughs> I don't, obviously I'm not um, interior designer, but I just think it's oh my god. <laughs> I probably wouldn't like a kitchen like that. <laughs> I mean, what, uh, watching this. Watching this actually makes me kind of appreciate the the um, Spectre just a little bit more because when we do see uh, Bond's place, it's kind of it's kind of just right how it should be, just like a, a it's flat like somewhere, sparse, isn't it? A flat it's somewhere a flat in with... central London, which is a stretch in itself. But if you assume that like that's possible, then it wouldn't be anything that grand. Um, he's just got an upstairs flat, and and Bond is not at home that often. He doesn't make that much of a home of it. Yeah. Having said that, in the book, he's got a housekeeper, so you can imagine his home is probably a little bit more of a woman's touch on it. It's interesting that we don't see her in the films. That just occurred to me. I've forgotten <laughs> her name. She's a Scottish um, lady. What's she called in the books? Oh, God. She's replaced by, like, a daughter or family member in the later ones. Oh, what's her name? Or might even be continuation. I don't know. Oh, God, what's her name? Old Scottish lady. Is is um, I need to go to the James Bond wiki. Yeah, we need to find out what it was. I will. Uh, I'll find it at some point. Um, but, but yeah, she, uh, James Bond housekeeper. May Maxwell. That was it. I was going to say May, but that's not May. I was, no, I was going to say May, but I wasn't sure. Uh, she's relatively elderly, which makes mm-hmm. sense because he tries to bang them if they're young. <laughs> And that is a trait in the that is a trait in the books. He's like quite a womanizer, and he's easily bored. And you always get the impression half of it is just like the conquest of someone new. Yeah, just a new experience. But I, I read a book not that long ago where that May was replaced by a daughter, family member, cousin, something like that. But I've got a feeling that may have been a continuation. That may have been the um, what's uh, that may have been solo. I can't remember now. Yeah, I need to go through and read them all again. Obviously, starting with the um. Oh, I stalled at the end of. I I read them in chronological um, order of story, if you like. So I mm. read. You're doing the timeline. Yeah, I read um, the first. Um... Oh Christ! What what am I looking for? Not Trigger Mortis, the other one. Forever in a day. Yep. Read that first. Read up to Goldfinger. Read Trigger Mortis. Read right up to the end. Read like Colonel Sun. Read Solo. And then I, I paused there. Really, I started Gardner, and I just wasn't feeling it. But I don't want to make that about Gardner. I think I just read an awful lot of James Bond in a short period of time, mm-hmm. and I didn't want him to leave the sixties. I, I, I want. I, I never want a period film. I can see why it appeals to people, but I think the series would become pastiche if you do that. A tribute act that we all want to, it to avoid being. Mm-hmm. But the books they can easily not, slide into that. But the books are not the same. Basically, I'm, I'm, I only really like the books that mimic like Fleming. Um, no, I think um, Horowitz has done a good job. 
he's done an excellent job because I didn't get on very well with Sebastian Falk's book, and I and I actually didn't really like Colonel Sun that much, to the degree that I'd actually forgotten I'd read it. No, um, it, it, took, it took me a while to get into it. But I think uh, because Amos is coming from, from a really different kid, option. The the M kidnap scene and all that's brilliant, but it's um. Sebastian Fawkes is great. There's a couple of errors in it. Um, like in Forever in a Day, you get him like first finding his brand of cigarettes. And then you get to a later Fleming novel and he's been smoking them for like 20 years. Yeah, there's a bit of kind of... So there's a few continuity errors that the estate should have found in editing. But apart from that, it's actually brilliant. Well, it adds a bit of flavour and variety, doesn't it, Sue? Forever in a Day is actually really good. And, and if if... If you were told it was a lost Fleming, I think you'd believe it. So, yeah, we've just had our first look at David Hedison, for, uh, our first man to play... Um, Sanchez! 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 Um, <laughs> passed away last year, didn't he? I believe so, unfortunately. This good. is a cheery podcast, isn't it? Well, um, without going into it too deeply, this is the first one we're recording after the passing of Chadwick Boseman. So we we are we did talk about it before we started recording uh, for a few minutes, and I, I think with that and Roger Moore having passed, we I made the point that the first time we tried to commentate on this, Roger Moore was still alive. That's how long ago it was. He's been dead like getting it's on. It's been a few years at this point, um, and we're just talking about you know th- those sorts of celebrity passing. So it. it we weren't that morbid about it. We 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 weren't, but obviously the Chadwick Boseman was a shock because of his age and because no one knew. And it's private, and I always respect that. But it's it's relatively rare a celebrity dies of like cancer and you didn't know they were unwell. I can only think of a couple. Uh, Victoria Wood, I don't think we knew was ill. No, and, that was a shock. and Alan Rickman, I think, kept it quiet as well. Mm. But normally, you know, they're unwell no reason we should know I, I didn't i don't you know it's, it's not wrong not to have said anything but um it it made it more of a surprise because i mean he's younger than me only by a matter of weeks but he was younger than me um and obviously i'm starting to knock on a bit but i'm, I'm still too young to be dying of those sorts of things on average it was an absurdly young age to die at of that type of cancer um but there you go i think David Hedison actually stands out more for the fact that he was in Licence to Kill as well. Because mm. yeah, when, when you watch this again, he's not a massive standout in this. He's fine. When you come to rank Felix's, whatever do you rank? It's very difficult because now I've read all the books. I mean, I've said lots about the books over the years when I'd only read a few. But I, I, I was always open about the fact I've only read a few. But like I've just said, I've read everything that's 60s set now. Um, I haven't read Young Bond yet and I haven't read Gardner. I've read a couple of Bensons, but that was a long time ago. Um, so, But I've read the sort of original genesis of the characters and Felix is obviously now very different in my head. But um, if you take all that out of it and just go ally for Bond, he would be high up the list. I like him. No, he's quite good, I think. I, uh, I like him a lot. I think I'd probably put Jeffrey Wright number one and then David Hedison number two the, the problem is uh, the problem is we've the... had a lot less of, Je- of uh, Jeffrey Wright than you would think really we have but he's in terms of screen put, you know, time. He's, he's made a, he's made an impact definitely yeah I, I think the problem I mean it's I mean I, I don't know what Felix is like in the books off 
you know, not, at least off not first hand, but he seems like a solid choice to, to get the actual vibe right. But um, the problem with Phoenix Lighter is they, they never stuck. There's not been one actor, and he's never been on screen long enough to really make that much of a stamp on it. So, no, that's it. Because it's the same as you know, so similar with the really longest got... bond is always changing all the time. Yeah, it's almost like you put him in as a as some kind of um, idea that you, you just to, to signal to the audience that you're somewhat going back towards Fleming. Mm. You know, yeah, it's kind of a little he, callback, isn't it? So. He wasn't in much of the Roger Moore era, um, but then as soon as they brought like Dalton in, he's in both Dalton films. Mm. And then he's not in Brosnan, who I don't consider very Fleming-esque at all. Well, they but had random then, John Terry, didn't they? And, um, but I mean, John Terry weren't lights. great, but Felix was in both films. Yeah. And then you bring Daniel Craig in, go back to the only, you know, the literary source, and bring in Felix again. Well, I suppose that makes sense, because Felix is a character in that story. I, I had to, I think we spoke about this in review, that it's very, it takes a little bit of discipline to watch this film and not think of later Roger Moore and the smarmiest elements of him and when he's wildly too old. Because, you know, I, I used to watch him as a younger man, man and think, this bloke's meant to be a fanny magnet. You know, he's meant to have <laughs> women all over him. And I just don't believe it. He looks like a fucking granddad. And when you go back to this... You discover like, why he's so charming. You no, know, you can see it. He's young and charming. He's not not as good looking as he was when he played the saint. But oh, you know, he, he's okay. But he's aged, he still looks pretty good at this stage. Like fine wine. Um, but he, he he just aged. That's part of the reason when people talk about casting somebody, whoever it might be, and I say they'll be too old, they'll come back with, "Well, Roger Moore was nearly forty six and yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, well, they knocked him out every two years, and Roger Moore was too old by about his third or fourth. This person was forty three or something or forty two when he made yeah, and Brosnan looked too old by um die another day. He certainly did on the big screen anyway. They're um, quite smart, it, though. I would probably it, argue. It, it depends on the actor. On the big screen, he looked too old. His it neck really does. to look haggard. I think part of it was Brosnan was a smoker, and it ages your skin. And Daniel's never, never looked that young in a strange kind of way. So in some respects, it doesn't matter as much. Um. Even so, then, yeah. When... Even then, he can solve craze getting old, getting on. Yes, he can, although strangely, a lot of it does seem linked to whatever his fitness level is, because you see him between Bond films and you think, he's looking too old now, and then you see him in shape for the film and you're like, oh, 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 he's all right. right. Excuse me. Looking my cup of tea. But I think, you know, as as long as, I don't know, they kind of have that firming vibe, I guess, Um, and as long as they can... Do it kind of a, you know with charm and yeah. have I, that kind got, of edge. Then I've got no issue with this film, uh, with his performance in this film or his look in this film, and I'm quite forgiving now of the fact that he's not that good at action. But they've they're accentuating different different things about him. <laughs> well, just and get some, a man to do it. Well, something about him wandering around in New York dressed immaculately actually sort of almost compensates in that. Like, we well, you no. wouldn't expect him to be too down and gritty, would you? He's a gentleman in New York. Exactly. Um, is it alien in New York? How do you feel about Bond in like New York or some sort? Of... I don't generally like him in America. 
I don't in the books very much either. He hasn't been there that often. Well, let's run well, through. He's been there quite, quite a few times, but... Well, let's still... run through. When, when's he been in America? In the uh, was Connery was there in Goldfinger, Miami, early on. And Kentucky as well. And Kentucky. And then... Uh, then, well, yes, we know that, but it's... Set and then Diamonds in um, Vegas. Diamond, Diamonds, Vegas, that really didn't suit. This one. Uh, then what? South America and Moonraker, isn't it? Mm. Uh, View to a Kill. Yep. West Coast. San Francisco. Um, he was in the Florida Keys in License to Kill. Yep, Miami. Uh, did Brosnan ever go to the United States? I don't remember. I don't think he did, did he? Um, think of him as very Europe-based. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was Russia... Uh, well, GoldenEye was like the UK, Russia, and South America again. And South America, uh, yeah, like um, Tomorrow Never Dies is kind of very European based. Very European, Asia. And then um, the, the, third, uh, uh, the world is not enough. It's got like Baku and places like that. Yeah, it's very uh, central. Craig was briefly in Miami, but just at the airport. Yeah. And, and again, forget where it was actually filmed. I'm just talking about where it was set. Um, so that's almost like not really. There's not big. So there's smattering. Uh, the next one was Haiti and Bolivia. Skyfall was just London, 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 Scotland, <laughs> Scotland. Uh, <laughs> And Spectre was London, 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 bit, London. Bit of, bit of Hong Kong in, in Skyfall. And... Yeah. I thought we'd, yeah. I mean, again, they didn't go to Hong Kong, but yes. So, yeah, uh, there's been a few. Um, on that logic, Sean's been there more, more than most. Sean and Roger. I don't... It, the books that are set in the US, I, I'm not wildly in love with. Although, I like I liked Goldfinger more than most, the book. Because a lot of people rank it as like one of the not better ones. And I quite liked the book. Um, but I mean, I really didn't like Diamonds Off. I mean, when, I read about, when I'd read about half of Fleming, which was the case for a few years, I really felt like they alternated. Like, mm-hmm. his first book was great, and then I really didn't like Live and Let Die. A lot of that is I'm reading it in the modern age, and it reads very racist now. It just does. Um, and people will say, oh, well, it's of its time, and it's like, fine, that's fine. I, I've got no criticism with people liking it. I just struggled with it. And then, like, it's followed with Moonraker, which is brilliant, and then that's followed with Diamonds Are Forever, which I didn't like. It, and, and it sort of went on like that. Um, then you've got, I think it's From Russia With Love next, which I like. Then it was Doctor No, which I didn't, and it was Goldfinger, which I did, and it just went on a bit like that. Um, I liked uh, quite a few of the short stories um, in, in, in the anthologies. Like, I really like the Quantum of Solace story. That's the story about the married woman, isn't it? Yeah. I really like that story. And From a View to a Kill is a good story as well. Um, and it's quite claustrophobic as well, actually, when you kind of, when you drill down the, into it. The Hildebrand rarity is Milton Crescent and the fish, isn't it? That's quite interesting because that kind of goes into like snorkeling and you can tell Fleming's love for um, for the ocean. Yeah, and Bond. The, the implication is Bond turns a blind eye to a murder at the end of that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of ones that you sort of read and you think, oh, 
it makes it difficult reading. I thought it was perfectly fine in context of the story. Oh, no, but definitely. yeah, Quantum of Solace, he's just listening to a story. Then you've got, like... Um, yes, yeah, so it, it seems, it seems like from the outset it's quite boring because it, it, he's actually kind of listening to it secondhand, but when you get into it, it's actually quite fascinating. It's great, I love it. Um, and The Spy Who Loved Me is written from a female perspective. It's voiced by... It, the audio book's done by Rosalind Pike. Mm. Rosalind Pike, sorry. You don't see Bond until like three quarters of the way in. Yeah. I wonder if she realised she's actually bought um, James Bond's branded own tarot cards. <laughs> that is ridiculous, I, isn't it? I think that's it? really I weird just... how they say 007 on the back. That is so weird. Yeah. And of course, that makeup on Mr. Big doesn't look right now, but no. I suppose it could have been Burns or anything, couldn't it? I suppose. I Although I do, I, do, I do love his line. Does he look <laughs> taller like, as well? He looks like he's like on like platforms. He's probably got lifts. Um, what percentage of this is her real voice? Do you know, Becca? Because I've heard Nikki Van Der Zyl did some of this. But, oh, yeah. I th- yeah I think but it always says some of it. Like, she didn't do it all? No, I, I don't actually know percentage, but I know um, Van Der Zyl, yeah, the dub, a bit, a bit of a chunk. Um, but yeah, I don't have those figures, unfortunately. I shall endeavour to find out and try right. to reveal them during the course of the show. I just wonder if you knew, because like, your, your trivia on Bond's a bit better than mine. Um, yeah, I mean, not wildly. We're all reasonably knowledgeable, but like you know, a little bit more than me. You've read, you've read all of the books. You've read them multiple times. I've read, you know, the ones I've talked about once or twice each. Um, you know, you've been to more events. You're a bit more in the community than me. So mm, you just, just trying to find out. You just hold a little bit more in your mind than I do. Keep your hands <laughs> off, honky. <laughs> you couldn't write. You could not. Some write of the language, back. you just think, oh god. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it was a time. I mean, was I, mean, time. I mean, is Jive Turkey mentioned in this film? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be, you know. There's a, there's a Roger Moore, you know, swing. Ooh. Drop it. That score there goes a bit Batman 66. <laughs> it's just a little bit. Batman! Whilst an, an American man stands heroically. That's it. That's actually a good line. Where, mm. where were you when I didn't need you? you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he doesn't really blend in, does he? No. Mm. But he's he's fine at this point, you know. I mean, uh, I do find his seduction of Solitaire a bit fucking creepy. Um, but well, then he, he doesn't seem too old here. But well, as beautiful as they, she is, very young, isn't she, Jane Seymour? There, mm. she's a beautiful woman, Jane Seymour. She's aged very well as well. But the character comes off as obviously she's. I mean, she, don't get me wrong. Power, she, she, she looks decades like older, you. but but for a woman who's now, what well, she must be pushing seventy by now, um, she looks great. But Roger, they they never, with the exception of maybe like a Maud Adams, they they paid insufficient attention to the age of the women they were putting opposite him. I know he looks fairly good for his age, but the fact is he do he does look too old for Jane Seymour. The card thing is just creepy, and as it goes on through his run in the series, it's it's not that Bond screws around. That that's quintessential to the character. It's in the books. It's in it's it's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with him. Like I'm fine with him being subductive. I'm fine with him sort of loving him and leaving him. All of that. It's the fact that with Roger, I always felt that like the character's written as though 
he's trying to engineer every single conversation around to sex when he's with a woman. And it's like, I, even even by Bond standards, I'd watch it and think, don't you think of anything else? Whereas, like, he's better when you just have him played as, like, just a, a red-blooded single male who'll take it if it's there. And he's popular with women. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> so I just, you know, giggled at Baron Zanabida. I, I just thought my observation was that amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Bond? Oh, dear. Mrs. Bond? Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Mrs. Bond? Right. Look at his face. Thank you, not Elaine Robidoux. <laughs> I just noticed Roger Moore's slight blonde highlight at the front. Has he got a blonde highlight at the front? <laughs> Literally one, one lock of hair. His hair is lighter at this point. I suspect he's not dyeing it by this point, because it goes a bit more sort of reddish as it goes along. You might be ginger, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we never see his pubes, so we can't confirm the collars and cuffs match. This, this spider guy is a bit freaking me out. I, d- I don't know what about that's entertaining. I just I can't wait to see some guy. Well, it's amazing that the body can move in these ways, but, but yeah, it's creepy. Um, is Jeffrey Holder gone? He has, doesn't he? He, died. he has. Yeah, he designed the costumes and also did all the choreography for the fight scenes and the dance scenes. Cool. Legend. I think there's somewhere on the 007 website there may be footage, like behind the scenes footage, of him choreographing the various dance scenes, and it's like a, a very very short clip. Um. I think it had some um, involvement on on the music as well. So anything maybe creative to do on this film, he's generally had a part in. So yeah, fantastic. It's they've done a fairly good job here because in its beats, it's often pointed out how like Doctor No it actually is. But they've just the, just the whole stylings of him and and it's just different. His suits don't look the same. His coats don't look the same. They've had him like smoke cigars instead. Yeah, they try to mark him as different, doesn't he, from, yeah. from Connery? That's wise. He, he wouldn't have been... I mean, he often used to say, didn't he, I was worried I'd open my mouth and it would come out as orange James Bond. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think he wanted to be to mark out a different territory. Mm. And it's the wisest thing he could have done. I mean, everything I'm ever talking about with him is personal opinion. I think, objectively, he's not very Fleming-esque, but neither are you know not all of the bonds are and that's not always a bad thing i mean he's still an iconic interpretation and i i never have any complaints with people who have him as a favorite not at all just look at the 70s like oh my god well you know can you imagine going into like fucking dfs or something and going that's my baby that's the one i want i love that one please can i have the one that looks like i've spilt custard haphazardly (laughs) over it please yeah, and look at it matches the curtains as well. <laughs> Does the curtains match that's, the that's, drapes? That's, Sorry. I, <laughs> that was a colours and cuff match. Oh dear. Is that something that's, that's good or bad? It's like, is it one of those things where, like, if, you know, if you're watching like a period, a period film or a film that was made before the modern era, and you're immediately noticing like decor and and things like that, is is that something that's you know, because it takes you out of the film. Is, is that good or bad? I don't know. Uh, what do you mean? Are you asking? Does period decor that we never have now <laughs> bother me? No, but I think Roger's a little bit unfortunate just through timing because the sixties just have a classic feel to them that just never seems to go out of fashion. The seventies. I mean, I forgot. Yeah, the seventies and eighties. 
I mean, I used to joke it's because colour TVs weren't in... I, I, I used to joke it's because the world was black and white until the 70s. Oh, that's, that's a good point, so, actually. That's so so point. they haven't learned colours yet, so everything's no. so we all matched because they're just not used to it. Well, that's probably why. I mean, I'm sort of working or trying to work through... Um, well, like classic Doctor Who, for example, an endless free trial. Yeah, I saw that. How are you getting on? Sorry to go off for topic, <laughs> that's okay. but that's what we do. Doctor Who, you've been watching the classic stuff. You've been watching it on BritBox or something. I have, yeah. I'm doing like changing my email address many times and doing lots of free trials, which is a bit naughty. Um, yes. But yeah, so far I've got up to John Kirby. I'm, on... I'm just taking the piss now at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> taking the piss one, two, and three at gmail.com. You're up to John Pertwee. Unfortunately. Why um... is that unfortunate? <laughs> No, I, I think no, the show okay. was a bit cheaper to produce during his time because it was all like earth-based, wasn't it? Well, this, this is what I was thinking. Obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of getting used to it. it's a bit of a come down after going on, you know, after being presented with lots of various fantastical worlds and various aliens things like that. To now suddenly be stuck on Earth um, with I, you know, being constant presence. I've got nothing, you know. Um, I've hardly seen. I've hardly seen any Hartnell or Troughton, although I've seen enough to just get a feel for what they were like. How did I you highly get recommend it. <laughs> Which one did you like more? Um, I don't know. Probably I, they've got their own individual charm. I'm going to say for now. Um, but they, uh, my point is like with the John Pertwee, for example. Obviously now they've made a transition from black and white into colour. Um, yeah. I'm noticing a little bit more like literally all the all the garish colours and design. And frilly shirts and. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's just yeah. like I can't. You know, it's taken me away from the story a little bit. Yeah. But, I'd say, um, I mean, I'm not an expert on Doctor Who and I'm not wildly a fan either, but um, I'd say from memory of childhood, Tom Baker is is the iconic of the first run of Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting to his, his yeah. era. I mean, the only years I was really into it and watched it was Peter Davison, but he only did it for a couple of years. Yeah, uh, I kind of feel bad. Like with the eighties, Doctor Who obviously kind of went a bit downhill, and then yeah. I think due to I can't remember the name of the producer yeah. at the time, but obviously sort of decided to sort of can the whole up. In, in oh, the Michael Grade well. wanted it, wanted rid of it. That Michael was it. That was it. it. He put yeah, it into Room One Hundred One when he went on it. Oh god, yeah, no, I, I think I remember seeing that definitely. Uh, but now I kind of got into it when it was rebooted in the mid two thousands, and I thought, right, well, now's the chance to go back. But yeah, I'm kind of tried, noticing most of like, like the sixties and seventies decor and being like, oh god. Yeah. I, still, I, I just think Doctor Who is one of these uh, marvels of effects and budget that it doesn't matter what budget you spend on it, it will look like children's BBC. I think it still does. I can kind um, of see what you're on about now, yeah. I don't. I, I never warmed to it. If you re- told me the concept of Doctor Who, I think, fuck, that that must be amazing. And I've never just never warmed to it. I tried it on the reboot. I've tried hiring discs back when like it was screen select and they sent you discs and stuff. I tried oh, yeah. a few. And I just couldn't get into it. I watched around it, like I watched an adventure in space and time with David Bradley playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I saw that again recently. recently. And I went to the cinema to see the 50th anniversary one and enjoyed it. Ah, that was good fun. So, yeah, you can enjoy um, them out of context. Uh, yeah, but I just I just can't get that into it, to be honest. I've tried. Um, but yeah, again, another one of those things. Fun fact, the Little Britain sketch where that guy's um, pitching board games and stuff. Got another one for you. <laughs> he's called Matthew Waterhouse and deliberately named after the guy who played Adric during um, oh, okay. Davison's run yeah. oh that guy, oh, fun fact so anyway uh, this is going to set this sets uh, this sets a terrible precedent for the women of Roger Moore's era because they're simpering idiots almost all the way through <laughs> 
And again, it adds to the effect it's not Roger's fault because he doesn't write the script, nor does he cast them. But they tend too young and they tend to be like idiots. He tends to treat them like idiots and all he's ever trying to do is fuck. I kind of feel a bit sorry for for Rosie, for this character, just because she's kind of obviously playing a dual dual role. She's, spoiler alert, not really a CIA agent, um, just a stooge. You think they'd send someone a bit more competent though, wouldn't you? Yeah, mm, well, exactly. I mean, you would think there's obviously a weight of experience in how long you do a job, and in a physical job like like a field agent, I suppose there must be a sweet spot between age and experience, which mm. is why I think Bond's always like on the screen anyway in his forties. You know, in, in the book he's thirty five or thirty seven or whatever it is. Um, he doesn't really age in the books, Chris. The Chris the the films the books run over like a ten twelve year period, but he stays the same age. Um, the books like only really lightly address it, but he's like 35, 37, somewhere in that range. And the mandatory retirement age is like 45 for that type of agent. Um, but obviously aging is different these days. So, you know, up to early fifties kind of makes a sense to me. But the point I'm trying to make is that you, you, you think, yes, all right, she might be inexperienced, but you'd think there'd be a degree of competence with basic training, wouldn't Mm. you? Yeah, you would imagine so. How, how do you go basic? How do you do basic training if you're a Bond villain henchman, hench person? Roger go and double denim. Um, I don't yeah. know what. He, I don't know what. <laughs> and string vest. Can you imagine Sean Connery in that? Well, he, he, he did wear that towel suit. Yeah, work. but that was just grab whatever was there, and that was a mistake as well. To be fair. All right. I, let's, I wonder. Let's go the like... other way. Can you imagine Dalton in that? No. <laughs> he can't. I wonder if that kind of fishnet sort of thing was was, Dal- was, was popular in the seventies. I mean, Dalton's all just like you know bomber jackets and shit, wasn't he? He was just he was very eighties. What books can we buy? Oh, not a lot. Yes, he was. Um, the leather jacket he wore in um, the Living Daylights were were just what leather jackets looked like in the eighties and through some of the nineties. Um, the Dalton films, considering they're the eighties, I think they've dated quite well. Mm. I mean, there's some, you know, weird T-shirts and stuff like that in the second one, but it's not dated too badly. Now, this, now this is Quarrel Jr. The obvious point being um, Live and Let Die is before Doctor No in the books. So, yeah, it's a call out to that. So it's actually Quarrel in the book, and then he dies in Doctor No. But obviously we've already had Doctor No where Quarrel right. died, so this is now Quarrel So Jr. this is where we have Quarrel Jr., definitely. Yeah. Um, going back to Nicky Fantasel, I can't find a percentage. It just says partially dubbed. I don't think I expected a percentage. I just meant like a rough feel for. What yeah, it... I was just trying to find oh, out. I've lost the the hive mind, <laughs> sadly. Partially dubbed is the word. Absolutely amazed. What she's meant to be CIA, she's actually so like shocked the fact that she doesn't even have. I mean, I've never met a CIA agent to my knowledge, but she doesn't have the bearing you'd imagine of an agent. It's nothing. It's not Mm. even her age. No, maybe you must. You must have it. You must have in genres in every fucking field. You know, unless there's a mandatory minimum age, then you probably do get prodigies who are a bit younger or whatever. But she just looks like she's never held a fucking gun. Maybe that's why, though, and that's I probably mean, why Bond spots are out, you know, more easily. I mean, look, 
I'm going to kind of slightly retract what I say now, but that's probably her character, and she probably just like put there, like, like by uh, my Mister Big. Can't because and, and basically, yeah, maybe she's meant to be like that. I don't basically, know. she's just, I, just scared for her life. I don't. Is she in the book? I can't remember, Becca. I don't think she is. Rosie, I think she I, is. I read the books the within the last six or seven months, but I. I, I don't know if I skipped Live and Let Die or just grudgingly read it really quickly. And I was caning through them quite fast, so they do kind of blend into one. I don't remember the story but very well. There's no I'm kind, connect- of glad, I'm kind of glad that David's doing the um, doing his Wonder Challenge, filming reading challenge. Because I, I remember sort of read all the books like squished into the beginning of, of last year. And so it's kind of good going through them again, but like pouring them, pouring over them, and you know. I think that will be our content. I think that will be our content when the film's finished. To be honest, I think we ought to. Yeah, do definitely. I, yeah, Chris, I would love to do that. And Chris can either like read along or not read them, and we'll talk to Chris about them. Whichever. You can force them upon you, Chris. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to force them on anyone. No, we're not going to do that. Obviously. The only thing I will say is, if you're half interested, they're short. You know, they they they, they have the average Fleming Bond books about what 250 pages. Yeah, got, and they do whiz along quite quickly. He's very good at pacing. Very good at pacing. I, I I stand by some of the negative things I said about Fleming, but at the same time, I think I was a bit too dismissive of him. Having read them all now, he has some he has some very strong gifts. He's very good at scene setting without giving ridiculous detail. He's not flowery in his prose. You don't get you know ridiculously flowery descriptions of a sunset or something. But he does set. He's he's very good at describing action. He's very good at describing things he's interested in. He's very good at describing food and drink, isn't he? He is definitely. I think that's where well, he, he puts a lot of himself in bond. If that makes sense. Yeah, he does. He's he's very much kind of like living living hard <laughs> and playing hard, working hard and playing hard, um, and also in things like like the cigarettes that he smokes and and the alcohol that he drinks and the food that he eats. Um, there's a lot of himself reflected in the character of Bond, but just dialed up to eleven, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his pacing's excellent, and and I've I can't think of an author who finishes a book better. In that, like, it was quite easy to cane through them because you finish one book wanting the next. I mean, Casino Royale's the best example. Last twenty odd pages of that, you'll just you'll immediately pick up the next one. They are literally page turners. I mean, um, I think the only probably other. I could probably well, name about two or three other authors that I read that literally like, well, like James Patterson, for example. I know that's like a really bad example because his chapters are like a page each. Um, but literally, that's another, another definition of a page turner, literally. For me, anyway. Um, um, and also Richard James. <laughs> I can highly recommend his books. Which uh, is, and, I've seen you promote them before. On, on but that, that's like a different, that's like Victoriana, so that's a different subject. But yeah. again, you know, really short chapters, but quite... It's just, um, it's just a period detail, you know, his cars and things like that. I'm not into cars at all, but there's a loving way that Fleming describes Bond's enthusiasm for it and stuff like that. And you just feel like you're almost in the era. Yeah, it transports you, doesn't it, I think? Mm. Literary Bond be- belongs in the 50s and 60s for me. Very much so. Let's have a look. I do wonder if he's noticed like, oh yeah, it's kind of says 007 on the back of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 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 yeah, this is kind of like used as like the um, new cover of uh, film, isn't it? If you go, if you, if you, especially when you go on to um, streaming, like on demand. 
Are you in a different place to us, Chris? He's got a, a cup gun pointed at Rosie, and Rosie's screaming. Are you somewhere else? Yeah, no, that, that's there. The, 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 right. the, the cover is at him pointing the gun at Rosie, like well, oh, while while being like oh, you know, okay. um, while being topless, um, and it's not what the one you think of, <laughs> really. No. No, it's not. She's, you know, she's done doing everything asked of her. It's it's just the way characters are written. Well, I think, I, I think a character is just scared. She's put in a situation which is... There's not... only... Yeah, there's only a couple of Bond women who are bad because of the actress as well as the character, mm. if you like. Because Britt Eklund really didn't do anything wrong. It was the way they wrote the character. You know. Uh, I, think, uh, I think Roy is really good though. She's a, a brilliant actress, I think, and she kind of she kind of plays it convincingly, if that, if that makes sense. I mean, kind of in terms of her character, you think oh she is a bit a bit useless, but there is a kind of there's kind of like hidden depth, I guess. But and she does it in, in a, you know in a really convincing way, I think. I, I, they definitely went young with Solitaire, but I can't see a way around it. If you want to play her as like virginal and stuff. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was meant to be a. It, it took me a little while to figure out. Oh, okay. Um, it means that she's out. not had knob. Oh dear. <laughs> but also, you know, because that. I think that's kind of how. How Bond manages, manages to get to get her away from Mister Big is like just literally doing it and then. <laughs> sorry. That's very brave of him. <laughs> and also, she just loses her power, and it's just like, oh. But then. You never see him having to like bomb some fella, do you, to like get the mission done? <laughs> well, in Skyfall, we nearly saw that, didn't we? So, well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Which I think it's my first time. Theoretically, there should be more of that, shouldn't there? Theoretically, I'm not saying I want to see it particularly, but <laughs> if they were really going for it, it would be like, well, yeah, occasionally you'd have to do some fucking dude. Well, it's one of those age-old debates, isn't it? It's like, would you ever want to see that in a Bond film? So, it's anyway, not, it's not the character as written. I can't imagine Fleming putting it in. Excuse my squeaky chair, everybody. It'll probably get complaints nowadays, anyway. Like, About like, squeaky chair? No, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> it'll, 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 it'll just be like, oh, well, Bond, you, you know, Bond pretending to be gay to, you know, like, you know, to, to, to hit, to hit on someone. It would, it would just put, probably get some sort of complaints just from doing that. Because I, I, I remember, like, it was, this is like back in the late nineties with like the, do you remember that film called The Jackal? With uh, uh, well, the nineties version, not Jay of the Jackal. Yeah. yeah, the one where he's got he's got blonde hair in that, and he. Yeah. Well, the, the, still not sure if I've seen it. I remember like stuff like because Bruce Willis pretty much did that. He kind of like he pretended to be gay, uh, and and like and sort of like got into like this like just random gay person's life just just for cover, and then just killed him, just just you know just so he can like sort of get into his house and things like that. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, I remember like sort of stuff right now. Like that was like insensitive at the time, mm. and that was then. Yeah, so I imagine. I, I don't have an opinion on it beyond that. It's amazing how many women he has to fuck for a mission, but it's only ever like <laughs> fit women. He never has to do an absolute fucking moose who's sixty. What, what, what you know? He, he, you know, in reality, he'd have to do over bunt or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, needs must. It's you know, for king and country, for king and country. <laughs> yeah. 
Or probably, possibly something less patriotic, like any hole's goal. Um, but no, he as he wipes his mouth, fit, he, he has oh. to do like fit women who are like, you know, twenty something. Well, there, there was a there was a big today over an um, inspector over like her age, but obviously you know she's still a very very beautiful woman. But it's like well, that, you know, it doesn't it shouldn't really matter. It was just like, but. And again, and there are those people who kind of say, well, the formula is that you should have like three different types of Bond girl in, in inverted commas. And, you know, Bond should have to go through all these to kind of to reach reach the goal, as it were. And it's like, well, again, that's not really not really relevant. But, oh, well, you never know in the next film. You don't know. Now, I must say, Solitaire is actually talking shit there. Why? What did she say? I she says, like, you know, like, cars tell you nothing for those you can't see. It's like, well... well actually, that's a load of rubbish. Well, it, you know, I mean, for those who... Well, the cards still have meanings. Yeah, because, like... If, if you, you believe in tarot, you, you could learn to do tarot, for yeah, example. But you, you, might, you might not be psychic, you won't get hair or anything else, but you can learn to read the cards. It's, it's, it's still, it still works, it still sort of tells you, theoretically, you know, if you, whether you believe that stuff or not. You know, it's still like your energy, your energy, so to speak, to deal them out, and and the cards will tell you what it, what it is they want to tell you. But you can still read the cards. You can learn if you learn how to read the cards. You can. But things with like with psychics and that they they can tell other they can hear other things and be more detailed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can you can tap with them in, in sort of various different ways, I guess. Yeah. But if you know the meanings and know how to read them, you go like, okay, well, that becomes that. That that came before this. So that probably means more this. Uh, but mm, fun fact. I, I only know that because uh, my my sister's a medium, so she she oh, does wow, that stuff. Oh wow, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Oh, very cool. Well, at least she hasn't let herself go and become a large or something. <laughs> <laughs> well done for keeping yourself in shape. I know you're a bit older than Chris. <laughs> Um, Cheeky. Well, he is. Chris, Chris was the sort of you know mistake years later. <laughs> Chris, That's Chris, Chris, nice. Chris was the oh shit! I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having fucking eggnog again. And and, and it's not true that, that having sex makes you uh, lo- lose your psychic abilities. <laughs> She's still psychic. Oh yeah. Not due to unforeseen circumstances. What if he'd taken her up the arse? <laughs> well, that's a valid question. <laughs> it is a valid question. What if all she did balls to address Chris? <laughs> what what if all she did was just give him a blowjob? Like is so. exactly what happened then? I mean, I mean, be... it's simply just kissing like that. Like, I... Yeah. How, how far would you have to go? And what if he just stopped the tipping? <laughs> <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> Phrasing. What, what if he was about what, what, to answer? What if she was blind the drunk? And then the phone goes, and he's called, and he decides he has to answer it, and he's called away on active duty. What? What if she was blind drunk and she had no recollection of it whatsoever? What if he actually shags her, but he's either wearing a condom, or he pulls <laughs> out, or he pulls out and whacks off over her tits? <laughs> answer that guy, <laughs> Hamilton and Eon. Yeah. Have to look at you. Sort us out. 
Because is it is it oh. is it the physical motion uh, that's doing? I, 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 I just it... I just thought of a response. So, well, actually, that's what Mr. Big did every week. <laughs> we'll see that. I just whacked off over a tits deeper. <laughs> if uh, Jane Seymour, if you're listening, write to us and expect us to talk at gmail.com. Um, yeah. So, I think we've just poked holes, so to speak. In, in Maybe storyline. So, is there actually any supernatural stuff that actually happens in here? Well, Baron Samadhi's still alive at the end, isn't he? On the back of the train. What the fuck's that about? Well, yeah, he's the man who cannot die. Yeah, but we don't really see him die, though, do we? Don't we? You know, he just you know he he falls into like he falls into a pit of a... snakes, and then yeah. doesn't he have he comes back again, and then he has like his head blown off or something. Yeah. That was a mannequin there, wasn't it? I was going to say, this is it, or was it? Oh, Question I mark. Know. thought it was Kim Cattrall. <laughs> <laughs> She's the woman who cannot die. I was on TV the other day. What, mannequin? Mm. I made the mistake of watching mannequin on the move once. Fuck me, was that annoying. Oh, was that the sequel? Yeah. I've not seen it. Yeah, the really camp character in Mannequin, which I've not, now not seen for 25 years, so I can't remember, uh, is got a bigger role in the second film, and it's just over, so over the top, it's awful. I don't think it's... I've never seen either film, but I've recorded the first one, especially at 80s um, nostalgia. I've only seen it once, you know. That was, eight, that was ages ago. Probably in the eighties. Yeah, that I was probably still at school when it was like. I don't know about you, but I don't fancy mannequins. I mean, that film could only exist in the eighties, though, couldn't it? You you couldn't. You couldn't make it now. No, you couldn't make it. I'm led to. Sorry, back on the film. I'm I'm led to believe for a lady losing your virginity can be. I'm not going to ask questions, Becca. Don't worry. Um, I'm I'm led to believe it's quite. It can be quite unpleasant or uncomfortable and not like the best experience you'll ever have. Rogers in her once, and she's begging for more. (laughs) It's very smooth. I mean, what a talent. Well, I suppose in a way he's kind of freed her of. uh... Her curse. Yeah. Well, like because yeah, because she's like. Tied by you know commando, isn't he? So you know Rogers kind of like, well, I'm kind of done that, so I've got no choice to kind of take a dash of freedom. Yeah. Here he is, Baron Sanderley. Good morning. It's a beautiful day. A lot of people are freaked out by that landline. It's never really bothered me. He sounds a bit creepy, though, doesn't he? I mean, it's, a, it's a pleasant, pleasant greeting, but it's kind of laced, with, you know, with a bit of menace. But I do love this flute receiver thing. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like similar to the to the one that um, the Q has in. Oh God. I said license to kill. I can't remember which. It is license to kill. He talks into a broom. into his broom, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, I think that's really cool." I just find guys like that really fun. Makes I laugh. Mm. Now these are terrifying. I really do think these are terrifying. What these little? Yeah, they used to freak me out a little bit. No, I I can get that. Quite scary. 
He should be wearing a fucking medallion there, shouldn't he? <laughs> he should. He's a very 17th. I mean, it's almost like a little bit horror movie-esque, really, isn't it? You sort of, you're, you're now yes. surrounded by... Yes. That's, that's, rare, that's rare in the series, I think. Yeah. There's, I there's a shot where George is in trouble, you know, in whatever that mm. village is called. And um, I, I'd say... Where else? There was another one. It's gone right out of my head. Moonraker, where... Uh, at the carnival, where Jaws is there, that suddenly goes a bit mm. sort of horror film for a few minutes. I also think that underwater scene in Fury's Only as well, where you're kind of, it's like from the point of view of somebody in the, um, oh, what's it called? Diving Bell. Um, yeah. It's a little bit kind of, or it reminds me a little bit of, of Halloween almost. Yeah. When all you sort of hear is like, you know, sort of like deep, deep yeah. breathing. Yeah. Every time I see like a helicopter in that sort of terrain, I expect to hear suicide is painless. Uh, it is a bit mash, isn't it? <laughs> I got it on CD somewhere. I have to dig it out. That's a trailer line. That any cost, Bond must die. Bond must die. Yeah, epic trailers. Yeah, I, I in the detail, I'm not as bothered about the film as you would think. I mean, the boat chase goes on forever, and I always forget this bus chase bit. Yeah, I completely forgot. And I just think, like, do you shut up a bit? <laughs> it was the 70s, you know. Or at least wear, um, at least wear a chest wig like Austin Powers or something. <laughs> Actually, I did think that he was quite smooth. I thought, oh. Well, I think the combination of Connery and Brosnan, I always thought Bond is meant to have a hairy chest. So, like, Craig always takes me a bit by surprise as well. <laughs> like, put a wig on it. Beautiful bare chest. <laughs> just, just put a rug, yeah. Just put a rug, yeah. Oh, gosh, Bumpy Road. Looks a little bit of the night bus. The night bus. <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. There's a, r- a rickety old route master bus. No conductor on it, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would fail its MOT. I think it probably would, do you know? Oh, There's no windows. I, I've only just noticed that slight back projection. That looks yep. terrible. As, yeah, it's one of these things, like, some amazing detail you can get on Blu-ray, like... I know you might need just like Bond's knitted tie for the first time or something like that, but yeah, some of the rear projection. Um... Yeah, I think there is a point to what you're saying, Becca, because as much as I make fun of you over the Blu-ray thing, we grew up with these on TV and VHS. Most of these earlier ones we didn't see in cinemas, so you're right. But obviously, audiences in the very first instance saw this in at least as high a resolution. Well, exactly, yeah. So they would probably notice it, but it's just things like yeah, it's like if, if you're of that generation where you might have grown up with it on TV or parts of it edited out. Um, you might not have had a colour TV, I don't know. Uh, not not you, in, you know, specifically, um, either of you guys, but, like, one in general. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. Or perhaps you might not be a very observant. If, like me, you might think, oh, I didn't notice that for the first time. Or if you're like me, you're easily pleased. Uh-oh. Oh, that, that that's music mm. to most men's ears. 
<laughs> You're easily pleased, brilliant. <laughs> Not like that. Not that low. Oh, okay. Not that low. Typical Bond, not paying attention to the, uh, the road signs. No. I think he's failed his driving test. There's one of their new car boats. Wrong film, I know. Mm. But yeah, I've always been pretty fond of Live and Let Die. His run was very, very patchy, but I mean, the, the best bits were very good. I mean, Brosnan would have killed for two or three of Roger Moore's Better entries. What do you think is John Barry's score? I think it's got a, a really catchy this isn't score. John, this isn't a John Barry score. No, no, I mean... Um, George Martin. Uh, is what I meant, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to anyone right. listening, there is not a chance in hell that's Becky what I meant. didn't know that. <laughs> like, that's just not a mistake she would make. That was no, just sorry. a slip. Yeah, uh, George Martin's score, I, I like it. I like it quite a Very bit. Cool. Um, also, that's why you've got Paul McCartney and Wings. In yeah, hindsight, I think I'm... Sorry, go on, Chris. No, I was just going to say, like, the idea of George Martin doing the score is actually quite um, a radical move, really. Cause it's, it's like it's like getting, like, it a... It is at this stage. It's like getting think... David Guetta to do the uh, Bond score for this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, maybe David Guetta's probably a bit lame now, but do you know what I mean? Like, the, the, the hip... Um... Yeah, he's, he's trending at the time. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Will I am? I don't know. He would be like, like music producer or big like a big name in music to actually do like the score, but isn't actually known for doing like film scores. Of course, no, I don't think so anyway. I'm not that knowledgeable on George Martin. Sorry, except he was the Beatles producer. That's really yeah, all that's I know about him. Valuable piece of merchandise we're carrying, oh. and I'm just going to inspect the goods. <laughs> ah, he's done this shirt up a bit more now. He's in polite society. <laughs> yes. He's, he was just finding that you he know was what? too. He always looks He looks what? better in black. I mean, he looks significantly to me better in Moonraker than he does as Spy Love Me, and it's because I think a lot of that film is in black. Well, it feels like that anyway. Mm. Although he is does go a bit nylon safari suit a bit later on, but <laughs> really shiny shirt. Hello, Jim. <laughs> hey, Jim, that's a bad outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Looking funky, Jim. It's like how close is his sideburns to his mouth? <laughs> There's some epic sideburns. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This film just, I mean, right for all our, our, our jibes and everything, I think this film just looks very cool. <laughs> yeah, I, there was just so much hair around in those <laughs> days. I, did the earth rotate a bit slower with the weight of it all? I suppose there were less people. <laughs> all the hairspray. Fewer people, yeah. Also, uh, along with various Doctor Who movies, obviously trying to, we're going to go through like all the... Um, like Jaren says, I'll keep on going on about it, but we've come, across, come up to Space 1999 1999 um, and also um, what's the other one UFO which is obviously made during, during the 70s um, but obviously set in the 80s but again I'm just amazed literally by all like the costumes and the hair <laughs> I just think it's fantastic even though it's set like in the future 
it's still very much like product of its time. <laughs> and again, you know, watching all these kind of episodes like the 60s and 70s of Doctor Who and all the rest of it, it's just like literally, I'm just amazed by like the collars and, and the hair and all the rest of it. I think it's amazing. You just wonder what occurred to them, you know, <laughs> like when they put on like a dress shirt and think it would look good if we made the front of this look like a Wall's Vionetta. <laughs> it, it just what? Batman. That's not a bad score, but they're just the sign-offs at the end of certain motifs sound really fucking sixties Batman. Uh, I love the scene of Mrs. Bell. It's so funny. She like there it should you know in reality the mission would involve him needing the shagger. <laughs> yeah, she she's no nonsense. We're going to show Mrs. Bell. I mean, can you imagine Daniel Craig doing this sort no. of thing? Playing the, oh, I'm the, uh, you know. He's Katie Gatton, isn't he? That was, <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible. That was just kind of the, that just read like a, that just read like a relatively serious film that they crowbarred some lines in on a rewrite. Must have some comedy. Whereas the humour in Casino Royale, which people seem to not acknowledge is there. I, like I say, I, I laughed more at Casino Royale than I did at Roger's entire run. And yet it's meant to be like serious and dour and stuff. Well, the jokes in that actually played a lot more organic in Skyfall, which I don't have any great problems with. I'm not slating the film particularly, but the jokes stood out as like, quick, put a joke there. Yeah, it's just, and again, it's that kind of like, almost like like that 70s um, sitcom humour as well. He's in a hurry to get home. Yeah. It, it's not funny, and and I just think partly due to the Roger Moore run, and we saw it so much in Brosnan's run that it's almost like a badge of honour that the jokes are groaners. And I'm thinking mm. they didn't start meaning to be like ironically shit. So <laughs> w- why are you writing them that way? Yeah, and that was my problem with Roger Moore. Everyone goes, oh, what what a fun, um, what a fun sort of bond he is, and he is. He's light and engaging and enjoyable and everything. But if you look at the funny lines, there aren't that many. There really aren't. Not for me. The start of Spy Who Loved Me starts with a fucking load of them. The pre-title to The Spy Who Loved Me is just fantastic. It's got, it's got loads of them. But, um... By, oh, in uh, Octopussy with, you know, um... Uh, no Man on with the, the Economy Tour. There, <laughs> there's the odd one, but, like, I, I went through his entire run... Oh, just funny. thinking he was a bit of a fucking clown, to be honest. And then Bro- when Brosnan was in the role, his lines were dreadful as well. <laughs> and yet we keep hearing how they're the lighter, funnier Bonds. And, like, Craig has made me laugh more often than either of them. He's and got a very he's... dry very dry sense of humour, though, hasn't yeah. he? Very... Oh, he can't do the humour. Yes, he could. The only yes, one he can. Could... The only one who couldn't do humour was Brosnan. And I love Brosnan for different reasons. I think... I think Bros kind of gets saddled with a lot of like Roger style lines, but I think with Daniel Craig is is very dry. I mean, and I think I remember going to see Spectre, and I think the couch gag probably got one of the biggest lines in the film, and the biggest laughs in the film even. Um, and it's it, you know it's, he he could do it. It's just like with the look or the put down. Um, yeah. But lines like he's in a hurry to get home. He's a film star. He's got that sort of charismatic look about him. Exactly. Whenever they gave Dalton lines, I just felt like he spat them out a bit contemptuously. He didn't like yeah, doing them. Yeah, it kind of really wasn't a pistol. One or two. We've nothing to declare did make me laugh. Just this jello. 
Yeah, which is um, ruins it for me. But you like that <laughs> bit, and fair enough, we're all different. Just, but like, just, no, you, I think it's a bit. You silly. can't hear that line without repeat doing that bit. Whereas, <laughs> I wish they'd stopped on "We've nothing to declare" because that was yeah. perfect. But she's got to go. Just, just, just it's like, shut up, woman. Shut up. You wet blanket. <laughs> oh, Cara, she's fabulous. She's very underrated. I just, um, I just love the line where she's like, brilliant, we're free. And he's like, we're we're in oh, an right. airbase. If you had um, footage of that scene off CCTV or something, that'd be the easiest murder ever to investigate, wouldn't yeah. it? They turned straight yeah, to the fucking party right afterwards. See, Felix isn't in this very much, is he? No. I kind of wish we hadn't commentated on Licence to Kill so we could do it. We could do it again. I love Licence to Kill. I can't believe that it was like ranked flat bottom for so many years. It's one of those things that suddenly become um, more appreciated over time. But it still still isn't though by some people. Some people still... Still, kind of put it low, isn't it? Like, was that like that that Guardian um, oh, uh, poll? Poll while well, like oh, I think it was like last year, and like Dalton's was quite second. Yeah, uh, different. Well, that was misleading because they had a poll recently where Craig was at bottom. But oh no, I'm, I'm it... thinking of the same thing. I think it was like a list of all the different Bond films. Um, uh, she should, she was uh, originally tapped to do the theme song until George Martin was like. Because yeah. Harry Saltzman was, who's going to sing it? And it's like, it's Paul McCartney. He's going to sing it. But it could have been her. And that's why she's in wow. this film. It's sort of an apology for being hired and then shat on. Um, she's got a nice voice as well. Yeah. But, um, sorry. Yeah, uh, the recent one they did, Craig was knocked out first and Dalton was second to Connery. But the problem is it was knockout format and they put Craig against Connery in the first round. So, of course, he was going to get knocked out. Yeah. If you'd drawn that differently... Basically, anyone who went up against Connery in the first round was going to lose. And, like, Brosnan was third, and it's like, no, I don't. the top two I'm fine with, but it was the fact that they did it knockout in that way. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't you know, do, you can't if, do if knockouts got... and then do, like, oh, you came first, second, and third. It's like, you know, you can't. It's like... It doesn't work like that. No, it, it, it's yeah. like... It, it's it's like that's the winner. End unless up. you unless you kept round robbing it, robbing it, robbing it. Sorry, until everybody's faced mm. everybody, like a league table. That's different. That is totally unconvincing. I've just realised the one round his right arm looks fine, but the one on his left arm, you can see it's not gone very far <laughs> round. No. So it's like, well, that's lame. Did you mess with that? Did you mess with that? He's, uh, he's he... in, in his magician gloves as well. I was, no, I was <laughs> yeah. thinking, no, what I was about to say was he's about to go and referee some snooker. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Just needs a top hat. My glamorous assistant will produce. Oh, no, they're actually um, Alan Partridge driving gloves. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah, that pissed, that pissed me off at the end of Spectre where he's wearing. Um, driving gloves because that's just too Alan Partridge for me it was a bit um, hidden Partridge no was it unintentional Partridge accidental Partridge is what I'm trying to get Ooh. 
What a reveal! It's Yafet Koto, who I may be friends with. I'm still not convinced it's him. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. If it is, he claims to be. A, he claims to be younger than his stated age and stuff like that. Let me see if I've still got him there. Yeah, there's a bit of a mystery around Tim's age as well, like regardless of the date. But he is quite mysterious. Who, Tim Popple? Uh, no, not Tim Popple. Um, sorry, Tim Dalton is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Tim Dalton obviously gets. Um, yeah, I don't uh, know about Tim Popple. Sorry. I, well, it, when we did the first run, um, because he's always shown as 44 or 46, I think I went with 44, because I remember saying he was 43 on debut. I remember saying that. Uh, but more often than not, when it's his birthday now, it seems to go off the 46 mm-hmm. date, 1946. Uh, but he's very private. Mm. Um, it, it's odd though this day and age how we actually don't know the year a certain actor was born no I know well how they can be debate over two different dates mm. you'd think at one point someone would ask um, well, it's, it's whether or not they want to keep it private they don't know it's just I guess it depends I actually think he's actually a good Bond villain. Uh, I do. He's just not in it as much as you would think, that's all. I remember being disappointed when we did this for review, and it's not that he's done anything wrong. It's that... um, It's just, I think, he just didn't have quite the commanding effect on the film I was expecting. The problem is, he's like... Well, he's he's playing dual identities as Mr. Big. And then... You know, he kind of while while he's Kamanga, he kind of he, he he's kind of very sort of he, he he's he's just very sort of straight on. And it's only when like it's revealed now, there's a little bit of like playful malice malice to him. He's he's you know he's, he kind of comes alive. Yeah, no, I'd go along with that. Yeah, I think I think the alter ego doesn't help. I, I think the the villain that gets hurt most by that sort of persona change is um, Christatos, because he's not a standout villain, and it's because he's playing pretty sort of decent for most of the film. And then suddenly the reveal is that like Luigi has recommended the wrong man there. <laughs> well done, Ferrara. Um, Luigi. Yeah, it pays for it though. Yeah. With a sting of a Bill Conti score. You've left this with Ferrara. Yes. A really heavy pin. The bit where he's the bit where he's found dead is the only bit of the score that sounds like Bill Conti to me. In that like I heard a bit of Rocky in that bit. Um, but the rest of the score is very, very different. I've completely lost my powers. Q. 
Can't they just scrape them off Bond's knob? <laughs> they might have crusted it over. Just, just scrape them off, re-inject them. Yeah, dip it in some water. Yeah. <laughs> Get to drink it, it'll be fine. It's like, it's like oh, making a pot. Just dip it in sake. a pot noodle if you don't like the taste. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, oh my god. <laughs> Dirty bastards. Right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's almost like she's never had a knob cheese <laughs> Can I think of a more useful, useless henchman than Whisper? I mean, Sorry, I do just think, what is the point of him? To talk quietly. Well, see, he can't do that sort of thing, can he? He's, you know, he does all the heavy lifting. There is probably too many henchmen in this film. I think that's the problem. Too many henchmen. He's, you know, he's got all these people around him. He can afford to do it. Well, you know, you got like Tihi, you got Baron Sanon, you got Whisper, you got the the guy in that jacket. You got Solitaire. <laughs> well, oh, that's no, that's a very good point actually. Um, other villains don't seem to have; they have like jaws or. One, one or two other henchmen, hench people. He has a whole party. <clears throat> it's not something we see very often. Or, or they might have other minions running their operations, but we don't really get to see them. Um, Scaramanga has knickknack. I guess yeah, you might not see them very often. But yeah, that's a very, that's a very good point. Sorry. Yeah, you should apologise. The film you come out with, Becca, and Chris was talking about the film. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's called deflection. That shirt must be a bastard to iron. <laughs> oh, turn away. Oh. I mean, imagine the electricity bills in that era, because I mean, just the sheer amount of ironing, the sheer amount of like cloth. This is it. I that jacket. Oh my gosh. I, I think we are now too late to be hitting women in films, to be honest. Just avoid. Well, I'm, it's not like it was acceptable in the early 60s, but it was just culturally very different. By by the time we're getting into the 70s, and it's still happening. Especially in this particular setup as well. But is it, if it's like the villain doing it, though, if you yeah. meant like. Kind of makes them extra despicable. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I, I think there's just a part of me that thinks. You write these things involuntarily. It, it, it's quite easy to avoid. It's like when George slaps Diana Rigg. It's like, well, you can see why he did it, but like, how hard is it to write around that stuff? Yeah, that's it. It didn't really need, doesn't need it to. It doesn't be done. ruin the film in the slightest for me. It's the era it's in, and she's um, playing a certain way at that point, and fine, but. I, I don't want to be all. I don't want to be all faux upset over it because it it doesn't bother me. The one that actually bothers me most is is when he slaps Tatiana. Uh yeah, that's because he pain. really fucking thumps her. Yeah, that's a proper smack, isn't it? Mm. And I don't like him in the next film with Andrea Anders, the arm. That's and I was going to say, yeah, the kind of arm. I call it the arm breaking scene. It's not really the arm breaking scene. Um, yeah, Connery may the... have got away with it. It doesn't suit Roger. I think that's why I find it so shocking 
even though I've seen it hundreds of millions of times. It's still a little bit like, oh, that's a lot of viewings, Becca. <laughs> that is. That's also not true, but you know, many times is what I'm trying to say. Mummy, internet. So they were wearing masks before. It was trendy. Right. I mean, I love how you can just tell it's like he's just like holding on to like a hook. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Mind you, if they tried to CG it, his arm would just look like fucking Pac-Man or something at this <laughs> stage, or Pong. Um, yeah. Now, if this farm is where Kananga gets his name from. Yes, Ross Trespass, Kananga. Yeah, Ross Kananga and Trespassers will be eaten as a real sign. Well, obviously, yeah, it's a real sign because you can you see can it. There. I mean, it wasn't drawn up for the film. It's there. No, it was actually a real sign at and the farm. I believe there's both alligators and crocodiles here, but I'm not sure. I did a lot of reading on the difference, knowing we were going to do this film, and then, but I did it weeks ago, so I've completely forgotten making it a total. Oh, no, no fun time. facts about crocs and, and alligators. Well, I read the differences between them and how to recognise the differences, and for at least an afternoon, I was absolutely <laughs> fucking expert on it. You always tell by the round nose. It is to do with the nose, the snout, and the colouring a bit. Uh-huh. It's not a sneak um, you want to be. But I forget which, which, which is one's bigger. I think, I th- I is think alligator crocodiles... smaller. I th- I think cro- I think I might be right in saying crocodiles have a pointy nose, mm-hmm. and I think alligators might be bigger. But again, that's based on fucking a long time ago. That's a croc, I think. That's no, so alligators are bigger. Fun fact, folks. See, you can learn a lot about the world around you from Bond, can't you? See, why does Bond just blunder on into that island? You'd think he'd have a bit more awareness, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think he would. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, look what's up Literally there. walked right into it. Literally walked right into it. He'd do it really slowly as well. I was like, oh. Oh, no. It's twice as simple. I actually quite like the fact that we think he's going to get out of this with a gadget that doesn't work. Mm. Oh yeah, that's true actually. And you got the sound effects as well there. Mm. Yeah, it's relatively... I mean, you've kind of got the watch and then you've obviously got the um, inflatable... Oh, what's it called? The air compression sort of pill thing. So you've kind of, you've kind of got a relatively... Gadget free ish, relatively film, yeah. It's light, there's one that we're born to kind of use as a but of course, we have no cue this time. No, he was off doing folly foot. Fun fact, folks, he was off doing what? Uh, uh making a folly foot to the film about um, young girl and the horse, mm. yeah. It's like a tamer version of Animal Farm. <laughs> which <laughs> version? Black Peter, which one? Well, the one, the exact one you thought I mean. <laughs> Look for man to pick, and you can tell, can't tell them apart. Um, I think they they made some arrangements to accommodate him, uh, but it was too late by then. There was just misunderstandings over dates, so it's the it's the one Desmond isn't in during his time in the role. No, he's making another film. <gasps> I know. 
So instead you had uh, M turn up and give him. Yeah. So does that mean like he would have turned up like at his house? I, I have absolutely no idea what they were thinking. Why it was no, that time they of the done it morning. In the field? I don't Why know. did he get Money Penny out of bed to go and fucking like join him while he just said, "Go do this"? Um, was he sleeping with Money Penny? Perhaps she was there and handy. Perhaps him and Money Penny. Don't on. know. Well, I mean, uh, Money Penny's not pissed off at all that M shagging some. <laughs> I mean, you well, think think with the the. Uh, he's the not fl- bothered that he isn't bothered that Bond's doing that agent, and it's probably because she's had you know some senior penis. <laughs> she's moved on. Yeah, she's she's been pulling rank. Yeah, she's about to say. This poor animal. Uh, yeah, it's a bit. Batman. Oh. Some fear there from not Miles Bennett Dyson. <laughs> That's a Terminator 2 reference. His, his Terminator any... work is in early research and development. He's got as far as a hook. <laughs> uh, now we get that this uh, speedboat chase. Which goes oh, on too you? long, but it is good. But I, I, before we did the review, I tended to have a forget, a, a tendency to forget how it finishes because it just goes on so long. I start mm. tuning out, and also we got Sheriff Pepper here, who I fucking hate. JW. One for one line I find quite funny when he spots what isn't Billy Bob, but um, oh no, the, the on whose side line is all right, but he's so oh, fucking oh, irritated. <laughs> we all have to do it. Secret agent. The redneck fucking sheriff was such an overdone trope in the 70s and 80s. Mm. I mean, as even a as... sort of che- 70s checklist, it's like, yeah. Jackie Gleason did one as well, and, you know, he was in Superman 2, and you had him, yeah, the can- uh, not the Cannibal Run, you had him in the Smokey and the Bandit films, you had him in uh, every fucking week in the Dukes of Hazard. It was just, like, so tired. And I don't know how tired it was at this stage, but it certainly weren't fucking funny. No, <clears throat> I wonder how the Southerners found it. I mean, well, I mean, it's just basically saying to the South, you're all fucking like ignorant, a bit racist, and completely officious. <laughs> that stereotype hasn't really gone away. Well, no. No. <clears throat> but yeah, it's the sportsman's bit... paradise. <laughs> and we cut to a very sporty gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> is that meant to be tobacco inside his bottom lip? Is yeah, that I think that's it? what he's chewing. Yeah, I find that really yeah, off-putting. No. Well, you can all, you sort of like sort of see the drool. Like, it's a bit gross. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a bit. Oh. I've never chewed. He spits it out as well. It's like, oh. yeah, yeah. It's a very kind of very tired and worn stereotype. We just think, oh. but there is some comedy element. And it does give us some classic lines like, "Oh, who's that?" Um. And various other comedy lines when he reappears later on. But, yeah. Pros and cons to GW. Not many pros. No. What do 
set of wheels on your boy. I don't imagine he's doing particularly well. Yeah, I mean, the first thing he does is like basically bullies a black guy, which is just yeah, like. And, well, and well, I do understand. I do understand that there is a need to arrest black people now and again. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not ridiculously oversensitive to it, but it's just the film's just a little bit tone deaf. That's all. And yeah, it's all, yeah. yeah, this guy would do fuck all in his fitness test, would he? <laughs> no. <laughs> And it annoys me when people can't do ties up properly. Fucking wear it or don't. <laughs> it's very hot, you know. Just feel that tongue hanging out. Perhaps we just have him in a thong then. <laughs> I wonder if the Bond films will ever go all the way and actually have the F word. They have. Skyfall. Judy Dench says it. When they're talking about his obituary. Yeah, he just have the yeah, he just dropped the F bomb. Like, I fucked this up, haven't I? Or something like that. Oh shit, yeah. I completely forgot about that. It does it does jar in some things. I mean they've started putting bad language and quite graphic violence in Star Trek on TV now, and it just doesn't fit. Mm. Um Have you seen the the lower decks one yet? No, I'm done till Kurtzman's gone. Um, I've done two seasons of Discovery before I finally came to the conclusion it's dreadful. Ooh. And Picard, well, I was happy to see him back, but that 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 season was a slog. I still uh, haven't seen that. Uh, you might like it, I don't know, but it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know how far to chart its own path and how much to lean back on nostalgia. They put ridiculous violence in it. The pacing's all over the place. You know, they feel like they're saying grown up saying fuck all the time. And it's like, well, I'm not sensitive mm. to bad language. I use industrial amounts of it, but it just doesn't fit. No. Um, and I just don't rate Alex Kurtz. Alex Kurtzman. His plotting is fucking dreadful. You know, we've seen it in film after film and all of his flaws. I know he's not writing all of it, but he is the showrunner. And or he, sorry, he's the head honcho of that universe now. And all of his flaws as a writer are showing up in the Star Trek shows I've seen. And I, I don't know what to do because I don't want to like be turned off from it entirely. But there's a bit of me that just thinks maybe I'm done till he's gone. And I've got no problem with Star Trek being different. I didn't want it to come back as like it was in the 90s. You've got to move on. I'm all right with that. But what they brought it back at is, as is, is dumb and lacking in any fucking vision whatsoever. I feel like I recognise that actor, but the one stood up with the paper there, but... No, I don't know. He's familiar to me. But this is now going on too long. Yeah, it's a bit of a long chase scene. Well, I think the problem is you've got, you know, got the cutaways with, you know, the sheriff, haven't you? Yeah, which isn't helping. No, you've got to shoehorn him in. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, what's he actually adding to this? Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> An inverted comedy. But bear in mind, you know... Tom Mankiewicz. Oh yeah, there it. Mm. Uh, How about that? Yeah, because you kind of have the same sort of thing in Superman too, don't you? Yeah, which is a bit of a mismatch of different people's work, but yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a bit of mismatch and stuff, but I don't really like his work on Bond anyway. I mean, mm. Mankiewicz is, you know, Roger Moore spoke very highly of him, and I, I always loved him in interviews and stuff. I thought Tom Mankiewicz was an extremely sort of um, personable sort of screen presence on 
various DVD extras and stuff down the years. Obviously, he's passed away now. He didn't live to a great age. I think he died in his 60s. He had cancer. Um, but he, he was good. You can see it on the Superman extras. You can see it on various Bond extras. Um, and he, he speaks intelligently about things. There's a logic to what he's trying to do. But I don't think his funny lines are that funny. Um, because Christopher Wood sort of came in to do Spy Who Loved Me. Of course, yeah. And immediately the quality of the lines in that and Moonraker, whatever you think of Moonraker, the quality of the lines in both of those films is better. Mm. Um, yeah, much better script. Yeah, I need to read his novelization. Yeah, I'm not interested in novelizations anymore. I understand why people want to watch them. James Bond Radio have been covering it for weeks now, and I'm just deleting those episodes as soon as they arrive. I don't care. Not nothing against the show. They're a Bond podcast. Why wouldn't they cover that book? There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not of interest to me. I think they're just avoiding getting on to die another day. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to pack it all the fellow. No. Yeah, um, no, I've got nothing against any of their content. Do do no, what interests you and what interests I, the fan base. But I've, to, I've, to, I'm, to I'm not that wagon. I need to get back on it. I've so. got no interest in hearing, and they're doing it over so many weeks as well. So I'm not interested. Yeah, no, I think that's good because they do. They really do um, like yeah. a deep dive. They kind of but go the, into the, it in detail. And... Films in a book don't interest me. I've read novelizations in the past, and they're nearly always dreadful. And I hear the Christopher Wood one's quite good, but I've, I've seen the film. Yeah, I, I, I need, do need to, to kind of do it. the read along with that. So, um, so I don't. Yeah, I don't need it. Remember the one. The one for tomorrow never dies is quite interesting because you kind of you learn a bit more about Carver and and Wylan and and like and her her. I was going to say how she came to be, but that sounds a bit silly. Um, but like her backstory and things like that, for example. Um, and you learn a bit more about the characters. But um, I, was, I think there was a, an interview for him about that one anyway, so I need to dig it out. Um, but he, he can only kind of write so much, he didn't have that much creative freedom. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been sort of picking up the Gardner ones, which I don't know when I'll read now because I've sort of fallen off the reading bit with it. But... You know, I, I left it in a place I was comfortable with. But at some point, I'll read the Gardener books. And some of I those haven't really dated, dated well. They are no, quite dated. I, 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 well, I mean, if I'm not enjoying them after about four, I won't bother. I'll give it a few. And I've no, I mean, some are really five. good. But yeah, just, just but I'm led you. to believe his earlier ones are better. But anyway, yeah. um, he did novelizations for, you know, License to Kill and Goldeneye. And I won't read those novelizations when I get them. I don't count them as the book, as part of the no. book. Um, yeah, yeah. and not only that it, it's um, I don't know it's like your wife and mistress bumping into each other the books and films are different things. oh right that's interesting well the books and films are different things I, d I don't want the films to invade the book world and vice versa now really sure I see what you mean uh, well I say vice versa obviously the early films are the books but you know what I mean not now I don't want the modern films retrofitted into books I, I really don't and I've no interest in, you know, if the film can show, give me some flavour of what Bond's thinking, fine, but I don't need a book to describe it to me. Because in a Roger Moore novelisation, it'll be Roger Moore was thinking of sumptuous pussy constantly. <laughs> Admittedly, he was in a newsagent, but he can't help himself. This is getting on my tits now. He shouts everything. Yeah, it's going on for a while, isn't it? Well, the, the, the scene's too long, but he's constant shouting, and it's meant to be like comedy, and it's not. Like Foghorn Nickhorn. I say, boy. It is Foghorn Nickhorn. It is a bit Foghorn Nickhorn, isn't it? Yeah. Starring. Actually, starring, yeah. Chris's casting choices. <laughs> we may as well say, because we're not going to do it. 
well, it's not going to happen, and uh, we've lost that bit of recording. But Chris went on at length about how Kevin Spacey would have been perfect in the role. <laughs> oh, and I think it was about three weeks later or something, he got done for being a fucking dunce. <laughs> <laughs> It's never going to happen now. I'm pretty sure it was a 2017 commentary, and that was the year he got like caught out with that. Oh dear! So that didn't date very quick. That dated very badly, very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oh well. But I mean, he was a high quality actor, no, known to put on like deep south accents and that. There was a complete logic in what he was saying. Mm. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, about three months. You know, within weeks, I think it was. Um, that all came out. Yeah. Was it three weeks? No, I, I, within weeks, I said. I don't know that it was three weeks. It may have been a few months. Let me just look up. Uh, I think it was the autumn of 17 that all came out. I think it was. Yeah, I've got to look up. Well. got to look at when the commentary was. Make a commentary. I'll find it. doesn't really matter. It was much earlier that year. It was around February 17 we did that one. So, yeah, a bit earlier on. But, yeah. God, this scene goes on forever. It does. I always forget this bit. I really do, because it's just like... Well, it's I've, the end I've, bit, isn't it? It's the, it's the bit where he, where he gets to go in the, in the jacket. In the tweed jacket. Adam, it's called. Adam. I'm not very good with minor characters. I mean, you, you go onto like a James Bond forum and they, they'll they'll play guess the characters and stuff and come out with people I couldn't even fucking name. But I do that. Adam did stick. It is Adam. If this was like, if the, yeah, I'm just thinking of Never Say Never Again. He's just thrown a cup of piss. He's pissing his face <laughs> or something. Yeah. See, would that really explode? Three, two, one. There's the photographic evidence, Frank. Chris. What more do you need? It's <laughs> <laughs> a big explosion. Just happened. The, 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 what annoys me is an actor gave his life for your entertainment there, and now you're questioning whether it even happened. Shocking. Positively. And there's lots of hair and people and. And also, we seem to think obesity is like a modern epidemic, but there's quite a lot of obesity knocking around in this film. Are they wearing the same tie? What? Him and... It's like Felix and his colleague are wearing a similar tie. Perhaps they go shopping together. Perhaps they've, <laughs> they got, his... The same. Perhaps they've got his and his towels as well. <laughs> they share the never... same feeler. We've never seen Felix with a lady. Oh, yeah, you never seen Well, we have. Do you? Married, well, apart from, but apart from that. Do. I've just yeah, you, you, my, my she was like coming on strong to bond. Us on, us on the wedding night. Mm. Yeah. Chris was Chris was quite obsessed with the idea that Bond had been doing Della for quite <laughs> time. I mean, come on, they, she's definitely an ex. Yeah, for sure. Feels that way. Classic line coming up. Sort of secret. Even that you massively <laughs> overplays. Oh, who's that? That is the iconic line. He filleted the bust of Sol. It'd be like a <laughs> a strip club. Still hasn't twigged. Oh, it's kind of got double seven on the back of them. Oh, I've seen that before. 
I don't know what led them to do that. It's just that sort of nodding, winking, in-joke thing. Mm. The series thinks it does well and it doesn't. It's better when it avoids all that. Merchandising. They've merchy, merch, merch. Oh, blimey. Some guys... Oh, some, they seem to be making love to that post. <laughs> and the women are crossing themselves because it's shocking. Prepping it in readiness. Ooh. Oh, more I mean, back projection. There, there, Delayed there, ice cream pedic. There's an interesting aspect about doing like Bond with a supernatural element. But I feel like this kind of skirts along the issue, really, doesn't it? Doesn't well, really... I'd be quite happy if Bond regenerated Doctor Who style, to be honest. <laughs> I'd be very surprised. So when then when Della's like, 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 oh, like, oh, James, she, he'd be that, weren't me? That was... <laughs> no, that was That, that was some old fella with loads of hairspray in. Buffont. In Buffont, yes. Tim had Tim, Tim did well in the Buffont stakes as well, to be honest. <laughs> it was the eighties. I do think this is unimaginatively shot. I don't know if it's on a on a soundstage, but the, the establishing shot is identical every time. Yeah, they tried to save money perhaps. Mm. I don't know if either of you read um Roger Moore's Living at Die Diaries. I seem to feel I have, because he talks about having a kidney stone during it. Yeah, he's quite poorly. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, he's got another to... one. He got another one later in his run. He was obviously prone to them. I'm just trying to remember if he had any stories, but I'll say, I need to go back and reread re- it because I think I read it when mm. during the time of um, of the event at, at Pinewood, for example. Mm. Um, so I gave you a free copy. Um, yeah, I need to go back and reread it. So, but I remember it being quite obviously. There are some parts of it where you have to wince slightly, but it's the, well, the, the new version is, is, is prefaced with a slight warning. Um, but why? yeah, what, what's in it that is that's offensive? No, no, it's, it's just some little just sort of like ways that some of the characters are, are sort of are described, for example. But it's, it's nothing like really offensive or anything I was like that. Say he's not. He's, he, he doesn't strike strike me as much of a racist or anything. No, no, no. But um. What was I going to say? The, it's, the it's, bond... just, it's just kind of like a, mo- a modern preface, really. It's very much yeah. just kind of bear in mind that when you're reading this, it's very much of the time, and it was from oh, something, yeah, okay. something or another. So, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing, uh, nothing huge that's going to jump out at you for adult situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, seventeen. I forgot what I was going to say now. Don't matter. Uh, oh yeah, the bond budgets uh, stagnated for years. That was the problem. Like after like, kind of, you only lived twice. They dr- dropped it very slightly for. I'll pick the rubber stick, thank you. Yeah, I, I'll, have the rubber one. I'll have the rubber one. Brilliant. Um, they, I think they they dropped it a bit for Majesties, but that could well be lower salary for leading man. And then they sort of went down to around, I think it was about seven for years. They 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 finally sort of doubled it for the Spy Who Loved Me, but this is like a seven million film or something. I think that's cheap. About about seven or eight years after they were up around the nine mark. And inflation rates in those eras were fuck lot higher than they are now. You know, I'm not. I'm never convinced by her scared. No. Well, why would you be? She's not a particularly good actress. <laughs> oh. She's very pretty, but she's not a particularly good actress. She was quite young, and this is obviously yeah, no, no, she was I, Doctor I, Quinn. I can't remember because I never watched Doctor. Qu- I thought it if I, if it had been called Doctor Quinn, I'd have watched it. <laughs> 
always like how it was, wasn't there like a French Saunders parody where it was spelled in a really weird way or something Doctor, like that? Doctor Quinn, medicine pussy. <laughs> like they couldn't pronounce her name or something. I don't know. One of their many TV and film parodies. I, they often they did. I, I always parodies. always like how it kind of cuts to between them like holding it, holding the snake by just it, right at the end of its head to mm. like. Where it's like so you can put tiny micro movements yeah. in. It just doesn't look remotely convincing. Doesn't look quite real. Although I'm, this I'm might be the best Roger now. ever looked. Like it's got oh. other ritual. I don't know. I don't know. He brought, brings out a hat. A dusty hat. That's about as good as Roger ever looked in the role dress like that. I was going to say yeah. I think it looks amazing. All black. It looks very cool. I think whenever Bond wears black, you know he means business. I thought you were quoting Blackadder then. <laughs> and Squirry the squirrel <laughs> said, Neep, neep, neep. And lets you say, Neep, neep. You all went all for tea. Does it make funny noise? Now, how much for a good hard shack? <laughs> A thousand pounds. What? <laughs> no, I mean, well, we can maybe we can negotiate. Throws it to Baldrick. So we got six puns. <laughs> I was in ages. Oh my god, classic series. Episode five of Blad- Blackout of the Second. Uh, basically, Baldrick does sell his arsehole for six p- <laughs> six pence. Like, that's that's, the, that's the the fourth fourth episode, isn't it? Uh. Yeah, that, that's the one with the, the bishop. Yes, because the fifth is beer. Yeah. The fifth is the one where they get pissed. Oh my god, my ear must have fallen down. <laughs> oh, hang on. I'm not sure. Yeah, it Money. is. Yes, Baby Eaton, Bishop of Bath and Wells, yes. Because the third episode is Tom Baker. Yeah, third episode is Tom Baker. As Redbeard, Captain Redbeard Rum. Oh god, yeah, I forgot he's in that. He's fabulous. What's the second episode then? I know the first one's Bob. Bob. Yeah, it's Bob. Second one is second one is the um uh sorry about the bag. Yeah, heads. <laughs> yeah, it's heads or heads or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bell's head. Uh what's the third one called? It's money, beer and chains or something, but I can't remember mm-hmm. what the third one's called. It's all on BritBox, folks, if you're in the UK. I shall have to break my dog too and go watch some classic Blackadder. Mm. I always thought Blackadder the second was the strongest series, actually, but I've seen it so many times now that, like, less, less so to me at the moment. I'd rather watch it and watch three or something. But um. Yeah, I quite enjoy it. I know so. Miranda Richardson is the definitive Queen Elizabeth I. Oh gosh, yes, definitely. Hands down. Hey, stunningly beautiful at that age. Potato, there you are, that's... Potato, <laughs> that's it, because Walter Raleigh comes back. They'll be the eating one. them next. <laughs> that's the one. Why are they wearing... Oh yeah, I suppose it's uniform, fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, a, like, a men's, like a health spa, isn't it? Or like... It doesn't... Yeah, when you think of the, like the uniforms of the guards in like Majesties, that's like a bit disappointing to be honest. They I think these guys probably have like the cool, or the coolest or trendiest outfits. Like they haven't got to wear like yellow boiler suits or. 
Yeah. Or like the most casual henchman outfits. They haven't got to wear boiler suits. Yeah. She is a very beautiful woman, but when I think of Bond girls, I, she's not a standout to me, and I think it's because she's too young and a bit characterless. She's a bit like a modern Domino. She's a, a bit more... kind of young and virginal. <clears throat> Domino's kind of the same. Domino's extremely pretty, but very bland. Uh, Domino from Thunderball, not Never Say Never Again. Yeah, I think she she has more agency in Never Say Never Again, bizarrely. Yeah, the cast are a little bit older as well. Or she she had that quality anyway. Mm. Is, it, is it because it's Vegas. Kim... I always tend to say Bassinger because that's how it sort of entered pop culture, but I think it is pronounced Basinger. Basinger. That's how they pronounce it on The Simpsons. Right, but that would be. So that's why I'm going with. Yeah. I saw that episode a little while back, I've forgotten about it. That was a classic episode. Yeah. I wonder how their marriage is these days. <laughs> hmm. And if they'll do a, a reunion, get Ron Howard in, see what he says. That's that's Felix. There was in a slightly sort of man at CNA pose. Um, what? Sorry, get what? <laughs> man what at say? CNA. What did you I'm just say? Military man. Yeah, but, but oh right, okay. Yeah, he was a little bit man at CNA. Yeah, but you said something before that with what we were just talking about. Oh no, it's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. Goes into Bond villain mode. Very boring. Shotgun. Oh. Yeah. I think he was only cast for this joke. <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh. Oh. And get off it, you twat. He had plenty of time to just leap off that. He did. <clears throat> I'll see what he did there. Brilliant. <laughs> is this a Ken Adam design? I'm not sure. Because Ken Adam didn't do as many films as we think, but it, there's no. something. Uh, the only thing that gives me pause is the ceiling, but this has a bit of Doctor No about the layout. No, you can't kind of tell by like, the, very, the geometric. That's like the Lewis Gilbert sets as well. Does it have a monorail in it? Is it part yeah, of the monorail yeah, trilogy? Yeah, they seem to, they seem to have a monorail. Yeah, well, he, he did do the monorail trilogy, didn't he? So. But he made more or less the same film three fucking times. Yeah, that's why it's the monorail trilogy. <laughs> Remember, mono means one, and rail means rail. I don't, I don't dislike. <laughs> any, I don't dislike any of his episodes, any of his films wildly and operate another place. That was someone well known who did that voice as well. The monorail guy. Oh, that you know, that was um, oh, he he died. It was um, it was wow. a guy, a guy who voiced um, the lawyer, Lana Hutt. Yeah, it was that guy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, what uh, and uh, Troy McClure? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's the same guy. Phil, it's, Phil Hartman. Uh, yeah, Phil Hartman. Yeah, yeah, I, think, I think it was. Yeah. I didn't realise he did that one. Episode I think it was him. Like what series is in? It's in about season five or. Six. Yeah, it was quite early on. Sorry. That was on TV recently as well. I'm just looking for it now. Marge versus the monorail. There we go. That's a great song. Leonard Nimoy as guest. Yes. 
Yeah, Lyle Landy, Phil Hartman. All right. Okay. Yep. He was he was shot, wasn't he, by his wife? Yeah. Who had substance abuse issues and all sorts. Yeah, that was that was a mystery for years as well, wasn't it? Like, was he dead? Wasn't he? Well, they found his body with bullets. Yeah. In. Um, he was shot while he was asleep. Obviously, up until that point, it was a mystery. Wow. They retired the characters like immediately. Yeah, they do. Because he was right? meant to. He was meant to voice um, Zach Brannigan. Yeah. And actually. Yeah. Billy West does it, and it's basically Phil Hartman. It's basically, yeah, it's basically Phil Hartman impression. It's more or less what would have been done. Billy West pretty much did all of the characters. I I, I heard that they they originally thought getting actually William Shatner to do the voice of Zap Brannigan, but I think that would have been a different different Zap Brannigan. Would have been a step too far. Yeah, and I'm not completely sure William Shatner's in on the joke completely himself. I think he knows there's a certain kitsch value to him, but. I, I, I'm still not quite sure how seriously he does or doesn't take himself. But Zap Brand's a great character, though. Zap Brand again is awesome, particularly the obsession with velour. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, he's a great I, character. I just love the fact that he, he like he just mispronounces everything. Yeah. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> or is it champagne? I forget now. Oh no, I think Champagne's way March present did it once. Champagne, yeah. Yeah, but he is obviously not to be brilliant. It's brilliant Kif. Chatting Kif, I've just made him of a lady for the men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that fussed about Sue's future armor. I'd, I'd quite happily just have like uh, all of his scenes and that, that would do me. <laughs> That him and the hyper chicken, that yeah. the, the hyper chicken lawyer, lawyer that that that's pretty gold as well. Yeah. Just gonna see if I've still got. I, I looked him up earlier, but then sort of lost the thread of what I was doing. Let me have a look. Yafit. So I still got Yafit. Yes, I do. Yafit F Koto is an actor. Mm. He has. I, he's he claims to be the real one. He links off to a real website and stuff like that, but there's no. There's no tick or anything, and you don't often see modern pictures of him. There's a lot of Christianity stuff in there, and he claims to be younger than he is. He's got he's got the maximum five thousand friends as well, including including Brian, uh, Philip Stevenson. Uh, He's got a lot of our. We've got twenty mutual friends with him. I don't know if you're Mm. one of them. I don't know if you've got him or not. I don't know. I don't know. No, can, you're not can one we of them just comment on no, how batshit his death is here? It looks it's crazy, isn't it? Well. It really is crazy. It's one of those that if you can't do it, don't oh. do it sort of thing. It didn't I'll add work. him as a friend, see what happens. I'll send him a request. Yeah. He might go, no. I'll find him in my friend list, but see. Well, he, he, he won't be able to. He's got the maximum 5,000 at the moment. You need to wait for one or two to drop away. Oh, sorry. Or you can send a request. Maybe you can action it. I'll send a request, see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. Claims to be the real Yafit Koto, and there's circumstantial a circumstantial feel it might be but a little bit of doubt there as well now i always remembered this as like a half decent train fight and when i watch it again all of roger's train fights are shit <laughs> i mean do you yeah, tend to sense up the 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 woman always getting like locked, locked away in some capacity yeah, similar thing happens in 
in the spy you love me yes it does but in the spy you love me basically jaws has just got him by the neck and that's it the whole fucking fight yeah it's, it, a bit, it's just like a bit they, they they it's an early sign here we, they don't really know what to do with roger because he's just it's not his skill set it's not his strength mm-hmm. and but you've got to have bond fight in things it's not embarrassingly bad, but it's just notable that when you watch any other Bond, they are literally all better at action than he is. All of them. They're all better at hand-to-hand fights, and there's a lot less... Oof! you imagine if he was just a really incompetent villain and just electrocuted himself now doing that? <laughs> that, was, that was it. Lights went off and he's just dead. Bond's on the wires. Oh, bedtime. I mean, that's the reality though, isn't it? You would just give yourself a electric shock. I think so. I don't know how it works. Perhaps he's wearing flip-flops or and something. How do you get a lock to go back as well? I don't know. Maybe it's a magnet. I don't know. I have no idea. Wait a minute, you're not James Bond. <laughs> this is meant to be like scary. Yeah. And he's like, hey. He's, he's what, still wearing shades. I won't need to action. Yeah, I know. Imagine if he just like, you know wasn't able to fight now and was hitting like the wall and shit because mm. can't see a fucking thing but again <laughs> I, th- I think like the the, the the final fight with the henchman like, in, the, in, the, in the last scene mm. it's the same with um, you know Wind and Kit it's like why are they going after Bond now like why would your, they your, care your, your boss... their paymaster's gone it's like, I and must... Wind and Kit yeah it's a bit silly Wind and Kids is embarrassing because it's so ill thought through. It's like they, they're a bomb on a fucking boat. You're going to sink the boat and kill yourself, you dumb cunt. Bombers agrees. Yeah, it's all contrived. Um, yeah, we got a few like that, knickknack. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't kind of really. It's not really well thought through. Job fucking kills himself for his master. I know that's before Goldfinger dies, but. Shocking, positively shocking. Yeah, but that that you get, he's just like he's just that well, that particular one has like blind loyalty, but again, mm. that's, hey. that's only established in that scene because you're like, okay, well, he must be serious then because he's willing to die for him. But grooming suitcase. Yeah, I'd forgotten that in joke because it's so many years old. Solitaire pounding, blimey! Sorry, I've got subtitles on. <laughs> pounding. <laughs> no, I've got subs on as well. Who's in there? <laughs> Who's in there with her? Yeah, opens it. And there's like the, a wine waiter. Brosnan <laughs> there. Wasn't meant to be. <laughs> see what he did there. And he's just sat on the back of the train finding it hilarious. <laughs> Quite an abrupt ending, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does end pretty much like drunk. And we finish with the song 
from the opening. Oh, it is very good. It's a good way to end it. It does make you think, oh, we got, oh have we seen the last of Bounce out of me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have. The uncomfortable truth about Saltzman and Broccoli is at this stage they were alternating. Yeah. You look at the run of films, Saltzman did all the good ones. He did Majesties, and then like Broccoli comes in and leads on Diamonds, which is dreadful. Saltzman comes back to do this, and then Broccoli leads on the next one, which is dreadful. I, I do wonder if, for all his abrasiveness, actually Saltzman was the more talented of the two of them. Um, but obviously the next film will be Saltzman's last, and his, his name hasn't been written out. I mean, he's still remembered, but it, it is the Broccoli family now. Yeah, it's very much in that camp. Um, gone next, which we've already commentated on. So if you want to hear our thoughts on like readers' wives and ill-thought-out bullet plot devices, <laughs> it is there. And that was the 4K restoration rip we were just watching. Mm, I think it actually kind of looked quite good. I mean, obviously that there are some parts where it's going to fall, where it's going to fall down. Uh, but yeah, Bowery restorations were good. They were best on the earliest film. I, I do get the impression they made more effort with the 60s ones. But I think film stock was better than the 60s. I just think they used lusher film stock. Mm, yeah, I think it's to do with the quality of the film stock, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. All right, then. Um, right. That's Live and Let Die done. Um, quite a long, well, not a super long film, but it's a couple of hours. And with the preamble and that, we probably ought to sign off. Social media. You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find me at Simtrance on Twitter. You can also find all the other episodes on Simtrance.co.uk. And on Twitter, you can find us at Expect Us to Talk. And if you can find us wherever you like to listen to us, um, YouTube, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher. Definitely do expect us to talk, and you can find us on there. Thank you very much. Okay, um, we're going to have a guest for the next few weeks because we're going to move on to a series that a certain Mister Brigden is extraordinarily fond of. Yes, looking forward to reading Charlie Brigden on our new series. Which means Becca. Do you expect to talk or return with Planet of the Apes? I was going to try and do a quote, but I decided not to. So sorry, everybody. Well, there's only one thing I can say that for that that performance, Becca, and it's damn you, damn you, damn you. Good night, folks. I'm Jimmy Jim Pisces from Japan, age chimpanzee. <laughs>